MAGA supporter, you're a, you're a, what, what's the term they use? Uh, uh, like a, a rhino. Yeah, not, no, not rhino. The other one, Con Inc. They, Con Inc. Conservative Incorporated. It's like, uh, excuse me? What? I have never heard of that one before, actually. Uh, it's a thing, yeah. It's like now they're using BitCon. BitCon's another one. It's like if you're, if you are, uh, are a supporter of the Daily Wire, if you watch the Daily Wire or if you yep. work at the Daily Wire, you're BitCon. You're part of BitCon. It's like, are you kidding? Like, why can't you guys just get along? <laughs> Holy shit, we're all fighting the same fight here, you know? <laughs> right. Hey, I tried Donald, to... Don, Donald never retweeted me. I wonder why. <laughs> he blocked you. <laughs> he blocked you. Yeah. Weren't you a... Were you a party to that lawsuit? Who was it? He was. was a... Yeah, yeah. The Knight Institute. Yes. Yeah, we, we joined it late, and and then they finally they reached a result, and he was forced to unblock us. So, uh, yeah, so we were a party, but we didn't spark the lawsuit. That was a good lawsuit. Yeah. Like, I agree with it. Because like, oh. if you're a public official and, you know, you're in a position of power, I think that you shouldn't be blocking anyone. Like, AOC, she blocks people, too. But because of that lawsuit, she can't block people anymore. Is that true, even though you're not a constituent? Yes, that's true. And well, and you know, I, listen, on, on when, in social media for myself, the, the only people that I ever blocked, and I rarely do it, were conservatives who just didn't like were just crazy when they the way they were acting to liberals who were attacking me and I love I love that interchange I mean I just think it's fantastic I don't see any reason I and I've every elected official in Congress or whatever that I've ever talked to including guys I've worked with is like no don't block anybody just keep it there I mean if you if if you don't like it then that's personally tough. But the thing is, it tells all your people that support you, you know, more reasons to like you. It's like the, the engagement is good. It's a fantastic thing to have back and forth engagement. And that's what I, this Jeff space Cruz, is right? like, awesome his, that way. Sorry to cut you off, but it's like the whole point Jeff of the Cruz, space. Right? If you look at his replies, you know, it's nothing but cancer. Not his replies are cancer. I feel sorry for the guy because everybody who replies Who is to that? Him, Ted Cruz. Senator Ted Cruz. Of oh, Texas. Ted Cruz, yeah. yeah. I like the guy. Yeah. You know, I don't agree with every single one of his policies. I like the guy. I think his heart's in the right place. But his fucking replies, the people who reply to him, it's fucking cancer. It's just straight up cancer. It's like, wow, you people are so goddamn detached. You know? Vile. It's awful. Like, they, they wish death on his children. It's like, really? You, you people are nuts. <laughs> uh, I know Brian does his fair share of, uh, um, let's say, throwing shade. I know that. I don't know if you throw shade at Ted Cruz, but you definitely throw some shade <laughs> in those replies. Just give you a heads up, by the I, way, guys. So, yeah, so Spaces is causing a, a few technical... Oh, first, two things. First, Brian, your audio's um, not great today. I know you're out for dinner, so I really appreciate you joining. Um, the second is um, the uh, the Spaces was glitching today, so we had the previous one, the Web3 one. Um uh, is uh, was glitching, so we'll see how it goes. But I do have, um, I do have a pretty good agenda. Nick, I think you should go through the agenda. The team prepped a really good agenda on on why you think why they think Trump could win the 2024 election, and then the other one is why they think Trump could lose the election. That's a very very thorough agenda. You can through, right. go through yep. point by point. I think that's the best way to do it in, in terms of structure because yeah, it's, it's really nicely written. And uh, any other panelists that would like the agenda, we can send it through to you. Um, also, want to you know welcome Brandon. Brandon, it's been a while. You haven't been on on the panel here. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm doing great. Looking forward to it. Pretty good day for you, for, for, for you guys. Uh, Trump getting reinstated by is that did that come by, as a surprise? Him getting reinstated on Facebook and Instagram? Um, I don't know if it came as a surprise. I mean, I started seeing some articles about this over the last week or two. Uh, I, I mean, I have a lot of questions about it. 
I know that um, well over a year ago, his team filed a lawsuit against uh, Facebook and possibly Twitter as well. I, I know a, a couple of social media entities, and it was a class action lawsuit in which they got uh, you know a bunch of people, including uh, my organization, Walk Away, which was also banned on the same day that he was. Uh, as a part of this class action lawsuit. And, you know, we haven't heard <laughs> anything from uh, his campaign or, or anything regarding this. So I, I hope it's not just uh, he got his accounts back and screw everybody else. I mean, a lot of people got hurt during that takedown. So, Do you think that's um, a response to the lawsuit, them making an independent decision or related to Twitter's decisions in recent months under Elon. You know, I need to gather more information, but I I can tell you that in one of the articles I read, and I don't believe anything I read in the media, but I did read in the media a week or two ago that his team was having negotiations with people inside of Meta. So I don't know if this was a thing where they actually sat down and said, look, this guy is running for office. He's a presidential candidate. He needs to come back on. And they struck some sort of deal I mean, if if you were to believe what you read in that article, that's what it sounded like. Again, I don't, you know, I need more information. I don't believe everything I read. But if that's the situation, uh, I'm not terribly happy because, again, a lot of people got taken down. A lot of innocent people who didn't break any rules or, or have any violations got hurt. And um, I hope he hasn't forgotten those people. In your opinion, do you think he has forgotten those people? I mean, all I can tell you is that, again, you know, we haven't heard anything back regarding this lawsuit. Um, and given what I've been going through, you know, with January 6th, I know I know a lot of people are feeling abandoned and forgotten. So I, I do think it's possible. I'm not saying it is happening, but I think it's possible. And uh, yeah. uh, before I ask my next question, I just want to say, Harry, I've just sent you an invite via DM. Brian, I'll send it to you as well. You just dropped. Uh, but do you think he'll change his – he'll be more careful with what he tweets moving forward after the ban? <laughs> I don't think so. Hold on, hold on. Under um, Elon, yeah, of course, on the Twitter, but on Facebook and, and Instagram, do you think he'll be more cautious? Um. Well, okay, here's the thing. He never actually used uh, Facebook and Instagram, right? I mean, that was run by his team. So I don't think he has anything to worry about, like – he never broke any of the rules. He never posted any of the, uh, you know, uh, election fraud stuff on Facebook or Instagram. They simply banned him as a as a precautionary measure, I suppose. Not really. I mean, it's it's, a, it's clearly they wanted to penalize him. But no, he. I don't think he. I don't think he has anything to worry about if that's the case. Well, Ian, uh, they used to copy and paste his tweets straight onto his Facebook. Page. Not all of them, though. A lot of them. The a lot of the you know like the the ad lib stuff that he would post, they would never repost it. Oh really? Okay. And he got he got suspended on Facebook and Instagram. By the way, audience, we're going to kick off the the discussion in a few minutes. Just giving time for everyone else to join. Oh, I see someone tagged him in the name of the uh, of the space. Is that you guys hoping he'll join? Are you? You never know because they were talking about him ending his uh, <laughs> his contract with or his exclusivity contract with, with the investors. When when does that so. when does that when does that contract end? Do you know? Well, it's almost been a year. Like uh, so I would imagine it was. I don't know. It's a long time now. If it's tonight, then then we'll know about it. Definitely not tonight. That would be, that'll be epic. Right. <laughs> I'm going to talk to some people and see if I can figure out how to make that happen. How's that sound? No, I don't know that I could do it. But... Jim, yeah, yeah, you're the guy that's getting all the big names. So yeah, if you can get Trump, that'll be epic. That'll be I think that's the that'll last cool. missing piece. Like we've had we've had every epic person from Hunter Biden to Elon. Now we just need Trump. Totally. And then that's it. We can all retire and say, hey, we did. <laughs> We've we, done all. We've done it all. There's no one left except Zelensky Yo, and Putin, and, and that's it. Now, Fauci. 
Fauci's oh. in progress. Yeah, yeah. Fauci's in progress. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so Gottlieb will help us get Fauci. So it should be. Yeah, you're you're going to keep epic. me far away from that Fauci space. I'm sure. You're going to be banned from the space. <laughs> you got to be nice. Man, we'll have to be careful okay? of the panel. We got to treat in good faith. You know, oh, yeah. like I, I personally, I don't like the guy at all. But I think if you want to get answers, you got to treat him in good faith. Or you can't ask him, you know, questions in bad faith. Not only, not if you want answers. If you want to, you want to. Don't you have like contacts in the WEF? Just, just for anyone <laughs> listening, you, you have to remember, guys, that we, the, the leave button on the space is very easy to press. So it doesn't take much to convince um, Fauci or someone else to just leave the right. space if you ask some tough questions. It's amazing. What, right after some of those tough questions, those connection issues pop up all of a sudden and they just disconnect. Normally, I've got Mario on WhatsApp saying, Sam, don't be rude to that guy. We don't want to lose him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Sam Sam is, when Sam gets pissed. Don't you fact check, Sam. Sam Let gets pissed. No, 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 no. The fact the check, fact the fact check. No, no, it's never, it's they're, never. They're really not fine because when, you, when you're fact checking someone's like life works live on the spaces, it's, it doesn't go down so well. Um, yeah, no, I think it's just the way you approach it. Like Catherine is very political, um, especially when it comes to uh, sensitive people. So she's very political, and she when she corrects someone, she does it in a way where she asks them a question. Sam, sorry, sorry, diplomatic. And then Sam, when he's correcting something, he's like a punch in the face. He's like, "What did you say? Okay, you're wrong." Poof. You know, Sam and I have had some epic battles, and uh, I like Sam, so we're good friends. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning the diplomacy of spaces. I'm getting a little bit better as each, nah, you're getting as each much week goes by. Much better, yeah. I remember once you, you clashed with uh, Tara. Let me try to get Krasenstein up before we kick it off. Yeah, um, I invited Justin just now, so. Yeah, I think we're ready to kick it off, though. Oh shit, we already have over three thousand people while we're talking shit. So uh, <laughs> I think most people, most people we have joined. So yeah. Shit, so so today's uh, today's space is gonna it's gonna be a relatively easy one. Um, a really a pretty easy discussion. Um, the topic is, in my opinion, not as polarizing as... Because um, we're talking on whether Trump could win in 24-25. Um, so it won't be as polarizing as, as the Ukraine war. And considering the Ukraine war discussion yesterday took 13 hours, and massive respect to, to the panel right now, especially uh, Catherine, uh, Jim, Nick, and Ian, and the rest of the panelists, and Michael, who should be coming up shortly, who was there the whole time, <laughs> ruffling some feathers... Um, but so yeah, we did 13 hours yesterday. We didn't have enough preparation time for this panel, but the team did prepare a great agenda. So I'm gonna kick it off, and and Nick, I'll, I'll let you take over with with Jim and and Sam. But like I was just going through the notes that the team wrote on the pros on in terms of Trump winning 2024 election. So number one, I'll keep them brief because I know you'll get deeper into them in a bit, Sam. Uh, sorry, Nick. First one is loyal voters, very very loyal voters, diehard supporters. And I don't think any other politician right now, any other candidate, competes. Another one is that the, the Trump's competition is relatively divided. You got you got Pence, you got Cruz, you got DeSantis, Rubio, Pompeo, and the list goes on. And then the increasing popularity of Trump among Hispanics, especially, and um, that's another plus for Trump. And I see Harry's on stage, so Harry's going to be Harry. This is this is a time for you to. To to let to, to just go go wild because you're outnumbered. Krasenstein's not here to get, support you. He's got sound. Supporters in here, you know, if you can. A... Oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. I'll try to get him. I'll try to get him in the background yeah. throughout yeah. the space. Message Elon. The also the anti-establishment um, rhetoric uh, rhetoric it really 
I think is is it's got more traction now than it did before. Before he's kind of coining a few terms and getting that movement going. Today it's just part of the discussion, and we've kind of seen with the and let me get Dr. Danish, which I think will be on the, on the other side of the argument. Well, we got with Harry, Tira here, so, it'll so be that's it up. good. Oh, Tyra, Tira, yeah. Tara. Is it Tira or Tyra? It's Tira. Hey. Tira, good to have you. Um, so the anti-establishment rhetoric is, is going to be a big plus for him. Um, if Hillary Clinton ends up running, that's going to make it easier for Trump and the whole image of being a guy from the street. Well, what if um, uh, these Michelle are the points Obama. that the team... Michelle Obama is a, is a good contender. Yeah, Ooh. is she? Is, are people talking about mm-hmm. Michelle Obama running for, yeah. for president? No, okay. a lot of people people are. would like her to run, but she I don't think she I don't think she wants to run, desire. but people want her to run. Right. I think she would have a really good chance of winning if she did mm-hmm. run, all right, let's kick it off. Nick, um, I'll let you take over. For the panelists, I think you all know the, there's no real rules. Just jump in any time. You can put your hand up as well if you want to be given the mic. Uh, but let's kick it off. Uh, maybe I'll, I want to go to Jim first. What's well, your let, position? Let me say on... one thing. Let me say one go thing ahead, before Nick. we get started. I want you to subscribe to the newsletter up at the top. Uh, we will go oh, over I gotta... everything. Yeah, I got to pin that. Space. I already did. I pinned it. Oh, shit. Look at you. Bam. <laughs> um, yeah, so pinned it up there. Go ahead and subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, and then also, we're going to need your questions down there in the bottom right-hand corner. Ask our panelists. Um, we're going to be going for a while here, so we're going to try to get to as many as possible. So go ahead, Jim. Oh, so Mario, set me off. How you want me to start it? Yeah, tell us. Well, what's your position? I wanna, I'm actually genuinely curious. It's more of a selfish question. What's your position on Trump running in 2425 and the likelihood of him winning? Because I know you're, as far as I understand from our panels together, you are a supporter of Trump. Well, you know, um, it's it's interesting. My wife always reminds me I supported uh, Ted Cruz in 2016. Uh, I just knew Ted from my time on the Hill and staffers of his were good friends of mine as well, too. And uh, but, but my wife says... Uh, it reminds me that she supported Donald Trump, for, as she says, from the moment he went down the escalator. And, um, you know, uh, my initial negativity on Trump was the bombast. And, and I have to say, you know, and I'm a I'm a Christian believer. I did, never liked Donald Trump's sleeping around stuff and all this sort of thing that he was so well known for in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And. And uh, so I, I wasn't ready to be on board, but I'd have uh, people who were also supporting Cruz, just friends of ours, that would be so mad. I hate Donald Trump. I don't want anything to do with him. And I, and I kept telling people along the way, I said, listen, I, I'm, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and I have some sympathy to it. You know, this is early in the primary <clears throat> in 2016. And, uh, but I said, listen, if this guy goes to Washington, D.C., he's going to turn over the trash cans and reveal every one of the bad things that's in Washington, D.C. Leading up to that time, most people would typically say, you know, Washington's really bad. I remember when I first went to work on Capitol Hill, uh, the, the guy I was working for, Tim Hill's camp, he, he came back uh, one uh, during the week one time, and he said, someone asked, him, someone asked me, Jim, he said, so is it as bad as you thought? And he said, oh, yes, and much worse. And most people knew how bad Washington, D.C. was. But the thing that happened that was positive to me about Donald Trump, and I know anti-Trumpers and and Democrats are going to say, you know, don't want to give him credit sometimes. Not all, but most do. And, you know, and and the the, the fact is he did turn over the trash cans. Like what we know about Washington, D.C. right now and how bad it really is, 
has been on display since Donald Trump went there. I felt it was a positive, and I'm using air quotes here, destruction effort, because it is really bad. Washington, D.C. is out of touch, and, and I would hope every Democrat agrees with that, because we got to radically change things there. Trump kind of, because of all the attacks that came against him, now we understand how bad uh, uh, bureaucratic Washington can be, particularly in the intelligence agencies, FBI, CIA, and them. And uh, and and we're seeing we see things now about D.C. that Americans never saw before. I felt that was a positive, in my opinion. There were many policies of Donald Trump's that I agreed with. He uh, kept us out of wars. He uh, reduced regulation in some ways. But then there were some things that really frustrated me, and I was very public about it. I hated uh, the fact that he didn't veto these massive spending bills. I did not like the fact that, you know, the, the guy I used to work for, Thomas Massey, was calling for a vote on that $5 trillion COVID relief bill in March. And he had every Republican, every Democrat, all the media, and Donald Trump working against him to call that vote. But he did it, and it was the right and constitutional thing to do. So I have my negatives, but the net positives have been really good in my mind. And I would personally have no problem having four more years of that. And the reason, the biggest reason for that is not that I love the bombast or, you know, make you know just the rancor that that comes with Donald Trump. I felt it was positive that there was a real revelation of how bad Washington, D.C. is. I think we need more of it. I would hope. I was also very frustrated with much of the staff that he had there. Now, I did have friends like Kellyanne Conway, who was a really good friend of mine, and some others that I knew that were actually, I felt, served him well. Mike Pence, who got me involved in politics to begin with. You know, He introduced me to my first political job back in the early 90s. Uh, we're both Hoosiers. And I always liked Mike. Mike and Karen went to the same church I did for many years, and and, and I really have a, a fondness for Mike. But uh, so there were people who served him well, but there was uh, it just is, it's always tough. I would hope he would do better the next time and really go after it because I think Washington D.C. is messed up, and the Biden administration is doing nothing to make it better. And so yeah, I'm I'm net net positive. Harry, I want Nick. If you don't mind, I want to go to Harry. Harry, yeah, that's what I'll, I was doing next. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Harry, I'd love you to respond to Jim, but also I've got a question for you: uh, Biden versus Trump. If that ends up being the the, the, the cards for twenty five, twenty four, twenty five. <laughs> what, what 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 do you think will happen, Harry? Because I know you're a supporter of Biden, so yeah, I'm gonna make for yeah. a good discussion. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think if Trump is the nominee in in twenty twenty four, Biden wins easy. Um, you know, the popular vote, 7 million votes, Biden won by. He also, of course, landslided him in the Electoral College. Um, and I don't see any reason as to why that would change. I mean, if you just, like, look at the map, the the, the Electoral College map, right, um, the states that Trump would need to flip, you know, those kind of being, like, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, um, you know, those have had some very, very, very strong Democratic performances in recent years, especially when there are, like, Trump-endorsed candidates, like, Pennsylvania rejected Dr. Oz. Tony Evers won the governorship in Wisconsin. Gretchen Whitmer won in Michigan. Uh, Raphael Warnock, again, uh, beats Herschel Walker in Georgia. And then in Arizona, of course, we had Mark Kelly. I mean, and Nevada as well. I mean, these are all Trump-endorsed candidates, and they lost. Um, and when you're just looking at that, right, when you're just looking at that, these people running on the exact same policies that Trump has, I, I don't see any reason to believe right now uh, that those states are going to change their minds anytime soon. Um, 
And I think, you know, yeah, but if, if I think the American people are just like sick of Trump, right? I mean, you know, uh, with all these. No, they're not. I don't know. I think they are. I mean, they, they kicked him out once. They're kicking out all no, the candidates. Not. You know, the secretary. That's the, not well, true. Well, well wait, hold on. Oh, my goodness. The secretary it's, of state, the secretary of state that ran in swing states who ran on Trump's, you know, false election claims all lost. They all lost. So, I, you know, not yes, true. it is. In, in all the in all the swing states, the secretary of states that ran on the Trump policy of, oh, you know, the election was stolen, all lost. You can you go go look at the secretary of state elections in states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and et cetera. So, but, but, by to, all means. but to actually say that we have like free and fair elections in this country is a total joke. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean that, that, that's have, lovely. That's your opinion, but that's clearly fair. not it's the not opinion, opinion of the American people. It's not my opinion. It's not my opinion. Well, it, it, I mean, it is. It is. Harry, you know what? You know what? I would agree. You know what? You know what? I would agree with you. I agree that there is election interference, not here in the United States, but uh, from uh, what our intelligence communities have concluded, you know, from abroad, especially with Russia, uh, who in- absolutely interfered in 2016 and attempted to interfere in 2020 and clearly attempt to interfere, um, you know, in future. Do you trust well. the intelligence agencies? Yeah. Do you not? Do you trust? Do you no. trust? The, do you trust? <laughs> wait, wait. Do you trust? A, do you trust oh, my God. Republican, wait, wait, wait. Come on, you, man. Do you trust, my brother. Do you trust, do you trust the Republican led uh, Senate Intelligence Committee? When they concluded Absolutely. that Russia, trust- more than I would trust the FBI. Are you kidding? Okay, yeah. great. So, so yeah, okay, that's yeah. perfect. So that's perfect. The Republican led Senate, Senate, the Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee concluded that Russia interfered in our election. They released a, a thousand-plus page report concluding what the FBI, what the DOJ, and others had concluded. So, if you trust them, that's great. Are, are you, you referencing the Steele dossier? Which which report are you referencing? Can you? Can you oh, go I'm not back referencing the Steele dossier. I'm, I'm referencing uh, the. Okay, Mueller what are report, your thoughts on the Steele dossier? Let's start with that. Well, we talked about the lawyers, the FBI. Absolutely, absolutely. The Steele dossier has been discredited. I don't think there's any validity to there, but that's not what the Mueller report was based on, and that's not what the Senate Intelligence Committee's report was based on either. So it's like I'm not quite sure why the dossier is relevant right now, but I think what is relevant is the very concerning behavior from Donald Trump surrounding that election, uh, the, the investigation. I mean, you know, asking James Comey to, you know, forget about the investigation into Michael Flynn, who lied to the FBI when, when they had evidence that he lied, he lied to their faces. Or Donald Trump asking uh, James Comey for loyalty and then firing him because he didn't, and then asking Andrew McGabe, the guy who uh, came after Comey for loyalty, and filed, fired him as well. Or asking him to, you know, James, just kind of like James forget Comey about the Russia treason. investigation. James when? Comey committed treason when what, what he, he decided to, he briefed President Donald Trump on the dossier that was paid for by Hillary Clinton while knowing that the information was unverifiable and salacious. OK, that's, correct. He, he, he correct. You're right. He, he, he should have been he, removed. He should have been not, removed. Wait, wait, this hold is on. Why that's not, that, is not that is not treason. That's how far Guys, back it goes. That is not treason. That's not treason. Comey, Comey, via initially when the Steele dossier came out. It came from uh, what appeared to be a reliable source, one that worked in uh, the UK and one that had been reliable prior, right? So Comey like taking British, this information. Wait, wait, hold up if you don't source? mind. Comey took this information and rightly briefed the president. He said, it, and he said to Donald Trump that this is not verified. We don't know if this is true. We just got this report to us. We're not saying it's true, yada, yada. So of course he, he, he was briefing President-elect Trump. Why wouldn't he? Why would he, why would he just take the report and hide it from Trump? I think that would be worse than briefing him, no? Yeah, but the Harry- The given to President Trump were, were entirely salacious. They told President Trump that the two most dangerous people that he had to keep an eye on were General Michael Flynn and Kim Jong-un. I mean, this is just absurdity. Yeah, and Flynn, who lied to the FBI and had talks with Russian officials. And then why did Flynn lie about his discussions with Russian officials? Why did he do that? 
Why? I, I'm not yeah, exactly. There's no good answer. answer. I'm not, there's I'm no not good answer. answer. Yeah, yeah. He did it. He did it. He did it so he didn't bankrupt his family. Hang on, Jim. Hang on, Jim. He did it so he didn't bankrupt his family in legal fees. Oh, case, okay. You know so that. Let, yeah, let's start lying to law enforcement. And you would That's do the same policy. thing. You you no, would, would do the same thing. No, I wouldn't. Yes, no, I would not. Especially how, how do you know? How do you know? Especially when how you're you going know? to be the next. I, I'm happy to answer. How do, how do you especially know you when, would do the same? You wouldn't. I would do the love same to thing. answer if I, if given the chance. Especially so you're when you're telling going me, to be the you're next. You're telling me you would bankrupt. Excuse me. You would bankrupt your family. Hey, can I? Yeah, you finish your question, Grant. Yeah, I'd like to just finish the question. Though. You're telling me it, it would be smarter for you to bankrupt your question, uh, your family, bankrupt your family, than to to make a deal. So when you're going to be the next national, yeah, you, can you just advisor, answer the question though? I'm, I'm I'm going to I'm going to when you're going to be the next national security advisor of the United States of America, and you are having conversations with Russian officials, those who are adversaries to the United States. And then you decide to lie to the FBI about this conversation. Yeah, I think that's wrong. And if you want to be the national security advisor, you don't do that. You don't have conversations with okay, Russians you didn't and then lie. Right. Okay, this is uh, this is just pure leftist propaganda. So if you're actually oh, really? having a conversation oh, about the that's truth, so, yeah, that's so stop funny. talking. Stop because you're totally dominating the conversation and you won't let anybody talk. So if you're going to invite people just to spaces, actually let people talk. Okay. So just stop. Be quiet. That's all by me, but just stick to the, the facts. Notes, I'm cool with that. The notes, you're not actually talking facts because the FBI tried to entrap General Flynn. And if you recall, because you're, you're a very dishonest person, you don't want to mention these Aww, notes where the FBI wrote. They start getting talked about in the media, and then you start to see how it's shaking out. Awesome, awesome. Um, I think, what, what do you want to give it, like 60 more seconds, Mario? Um, no, no, we can kick it off, man. Uh, I do want to brief the audience, anyone that joined on this one, what happened in the last space before it crashed. In the meantime, Michael, Sebastian, I'll just uh, DM you the invite to, to come up on stage. But Nick Jones, give a give a context of the conversation that we we're having earlier. Uh, I think it was Laura, Grant, and Harry um, before the space crashed. Sure, um, uh, the conversation just in general, and I'm sure they're going to um, go over it again and make it very clear what the conversation was about. But it had a lot to do with the FBI and uh, various agencies within the federal government possibly going after Donald Trump. Um, uh, attempting to undermine his presidency and undermine his candidacy. So that, that's a big debate that's been going on for uh, several years now, and we've actually learned a lot more about that here recently. Uh, but I do want to give Laura the floor here to start off. Um, uh, Laura, you ran for – you were the Republican nominee for Congress down there in the 21st District in Florida, uh, and, and, you know, you, you, yeah. came, you came close. You worked hard. Uh, so I'd really love your opinion on all of this. Well, uh, to kind of pick up from uh, where we left off, I suppose, before the space crashed is uh, I was going at it with Harry because he was trying to, you know, accuse uh, General Michael Flynn, who's an honorable man, a friend of mine, an American patriot, an American hero of lying to the FBI. 
And we already know in the FBI notes um, that I was reading before the space crash that, you know, on these notes that they found, the FBI had written on there, oh, so should we get him to lie? What's our goal? Uh, are we trying to make him go to jail or just uh, get him fired? So I just found Harry's argument to be rather uh, disingenuous and, you know, completely factually incorrect and wanted to correct the record. And then, you know, the space um, crashed. So Laura, do you, support lying, to, do you support lying to uh, law enforcement? You're, I just told you that they had written on their notes that they wanted to intentionally set up a situation to make it look like General Michael Flynn was lying to the FBI. How come you don't want to admit Yeah, I, I, that doesn't really, first of all, the, the questions were pretty straightforward. Um, and also, uh, you didn't really answer my question. Yeah. Do you support lying it's to not, law enforcement? It's not, if you're entrapping, if the FBI wrote on a piece of paper that their goal was to, quote unquote, make General Flynn lie to the FBI, that's entrapment. Do you so support no, lying to law enforcement? lie to the FBI. Yeah, I'm, again, like I'm, I'm just do asking, I'm asking a simple question. Do you, do you support lying to law enforcement? No, but okay, cool. So why do you support Michael line? Flynn doing it? Like, well, Harry, law enforcement and trapping Americans? No, this, yeah, well, this is not, well, not entrapping. Like, wait, let's Harry, just be let's clear be, here. But uh, let's just hang on, Jim. Hang on, Jim. If, let's, if you don't mind, like, let's just be clear here. Michael Flynn had every opportunity to be honest, and he decided not to. Um, so let's not like like it's not difficult to say. Yeah, he shouldn't lie as as the next national security advisor. He shouldn't lie to the FBI about these conversations. That's it. Does, okay, so here, but Harry, 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 Harry weren't these weren't these charges Harry. dropped? Uh, no, so Donald Trump pardoned dropped, him. Harry? No, Donald Trump pardoned him. Yeah, let, hey, Nick, let me let me ask Harry this question. Harry, sure. What was the specifically for everyone? Go ahead and give us the specific details. What was the substance of the lie? Do you recall in the notes? Well, it was just about over. It wasn't just one lie, right? It was it was about uh, overall his conversation with a Russian official. I forget the Russian official's name. Um, but it was about the conversation as a whole. Um, he was asking, like, did you talk? Basically, what happened was the Obama administration put sanctions on Russia for their interference in the 2016 election. And Putin was considering retaliating. And Michael Flynn, as the incoming national security advisor, was talking to Russian officials saying, no, 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 no. Listen, don't take action. We're going to be there soon. We're going to get in. Just tell Putin to chill out. Uh, and that was kind of the the topic around the conversation. And Michael Flynn uh, lied about talking about those sanctions with. So, so the, subs the substance of this, and I'm sure Sebastian has something even more clear on this than I'm going to give. But the substance Sebastian of this blocked me, by the way. Not I don't know why. what you're saying. But anyway, go ahead, Sebastian. <laughs> Are you surprised? I think I know why. Are you surprised that I blocked you? Because you're a fucking man. I've never, I've never spoken to you. Like, I'm lying about a friend of mine who spent 32 years in military know. intelligence and ended up as the director of DIA. That's why, because you're an asshole. All right. Oh, so, I'm so sorry. Let, let's, talk, let's talk about Flynn. I don't, I'm not sure yeah. this is. Yeah. I'm not sure this this thing is about Mike Flynn. But anyway, so let, let's be very clear what happened because James Comey has admitted this on a public event. Stroke mm. admitted this. McCabe admitted this. So um, <clears throat> Mike Flynn. Uh, the week of Christmas, I was working on the presidential transition team for Mike Flynn. Uh, he was on vacation with his wife when a call was put through to Ambassador Kisilyak. And the substance of the conversation 
was actually uh, there was a vote coming up in the UN to sanction Israel. And we wanted assistance from the Russians not to partake in this vote sanctioning Israel. That was the substance of the phone call. If you don't believe me, you can read the transcript that was illegally leaked. And the FBI, through the NSA, because it was an amb- uh, a Russian ambassador, had, the, had, had intercepted this phone call and had the full transcript of the phone call. Comey admitted he sent it. He sent in McCabe and another senior FBI uh, officer to entrap Flynn because they had the full transcript and to ask him exactly. where, uh, to ask him whether he remembered specific details. Now, uh, Michael will admit this to you. He he didn't want to say this at the time. He was on vacation. He'd been working his ass off in the transition team. He'd had two glasses of wine that night. And he couldn't fully remember every detail of the conversation, and he forgot some of the details of the conversation. None of them was untoward. None of them was illegal. He was the incoming national security advisor, which is the only cabinet-level position in any administration that is not Senate-confirmed, which means he is fully authorized after the election to get to work. And I know that because I was working directly for Mike Flynn, setting up those phone calls with people like Ambassador Kisilyak, with the Prime Minister of Japan and so forth. Uh, the FBI had the transcript. They entrapped him because they, they, they asked him, do you remember saying this? And he said, uh, no, I didn't say that. In the 302s, they actually afterward stated, we don't think he lied to us, but it was used against him and he was blackmailed. They said, your son, Mike Jr., who's got a pregnant wife, we're going to throw the book at him for far violations and your son is going to go to prison unless you cop, unless you cop a plea deal to the far violations for Turkey and other extraneous garbage. That man was ruined for three years, had to sell his home to pay the legal fees, and it was a put-up job. And Comey joked about it at an event. He said, yeah, yeah, in a more more experienced administration, I would have gone through the general couch to the White House, but I didn't. Ha, ha, ha. I just sent in the two agents, who, by the way, didn't fill out the 302s, which is regulation, for four and a half months. That's the story of Mike Flynn. But I don't think the people joined this space to talk about the... Let me add some let me add some context real quick, man. Um, I want to respond to a point that Harry made before we go into this. Um, the Justice Department filed in May of 2020 a motion to dismiss with prejudice the criminal information against Flynn. Um, and the chief prosecutor uh, himself, sorry, uh, publicly called for Flynn's charges to be dropped. So I'll go ahead and let you let you go, Jim. No, and, and, and Sebastian, you know, I mean, it's pretty simple also to say, and you brought out a very significant fact on this. Don't talk about Michael Flynn lying. How about FBI agents that refused, refused to follow procedure because their intent was to make it come out as a lie for the very purpose of shutting the guy down? Well, I mean, that's exactly what I just said, right? So, I mean, that's what I was saying before the space was shut down, too. So it's entrapment. And we all seem to be on the same page here, except Harry. So, <laughs> Yeah, except, you know, the, the leader of the Justice Department at the time when those charges were uh, dismissed was a bar who also covered Donald Trump's ass in the Russia investigation uh, and said that there was no evidence of obstruction of justice. And, you know, oh, the, the investigation found nothing. 
Um, you know, so I I wouldn't take Barr. Uh, Harry, the, wasn't some, was that was that not was that not Robert Mueller? Was that not Robert Mueller that said that? Ro- Robert Mueller? No, 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 no. Barr. He Barr. said there was no collusion. No, the special, no, no, no. The special yeah, yeah, counsel yeah, wait, said on, there was on. no collusion. They they. When I'm, like, first of all, I'm not alleging. I'm not alleging that there was collusion. I'm not alleging million between, dollars. Okay, thank you, Sebastian. Forty million dollars. Five hundred affidavits. 300 witnesses. 300 people charged. 300 people plus charged and indicted. 100% a success rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody feel Russian collusion. Anyway, but as I was saying. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Not one person has been convicted of Russian collusion. How weird is that? Wait, wait, wait. When did I say that there was Russian collusion? Not to mention. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, because I didn't. But just for the record, for the record, I want to make it clear that I'm not alleging Russian collusion. I'm not saying that Donald Trump himself colluded with Putin. Was the bloody whole point, you moron? No, no, no. First of all, all, absolutely not. That investigation started as investigating the Russian interference in the 2016 election. It was not alleging that Trump colluded with Russia. That was not the beginning of the investigation. The investigation later expanded to Donald Trump because of of new evidence. This guy has no idea what he's talking about. It was all founded founded off the the steel dock. Sorry, guys, just just one at a time. Um, It's getting heated, which is great, but let's try to keep it flowing. Say your sentence, leave a space, let somebody else respond. Yeah, I, I was just going to back up Harry on this. I, I mean, the Mueller probe began as an investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. election. Uh, it found that multiple people within the Trump campaign and people around Trump were in discussions with Russia. They were they were trying to set up back channels with Russia. Who are the multiple people yeah, in background where, where, discussions? Just yeah, put it on the record. Also, Can I just finish my point too? here? Before... No, no, listen. No, bro, because bro. The whole, this whole thing just got disproved yesterday, too, with the fact that the FBI agent that you know originally investigated Donald Trump and spread all of these lies and these falsehoods and conspiracies about Russia collusion, ironically, was just arrested for improper <laughs> and illegal... Uh, conduct with a Russian oligarch. Wait, so you think funny. that helps your argument? That is so. That is so bad for your side. Yes. How is this that? Guy, how is it bad for this our guy, side? Crooked, you're right. Absolutely. FBI happy to explain. Guys, guys, can we can we let Brian? Sorry, can we let Brian continue what he was saying and respond to uh, to Laura's point sure, there? Sure, that's my bad. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And, uh, thanks, Sam. And and hi, Laura. It's it's nice to see you in here. Uh, I, I know we disagree, uh, <laughs> but. Um, that, yeah, so I, what are you guys saying that the special counsel investigation was to investigate Russian interference in the election in 2016? They indicted, I think it was over 34 people. Um, there were eight guilty pleas. Uh, like I said, they were they found that the Trump campaign were trying to set up back channels. They did not prove that any back channels were set up. Uh, they also were looking at whether Trump obstructed justice. And they found that Trump did obstruct justice. So, I mean, the whole point of whether there was Russian collusion, if you want to call it or not, is kind of moot because if he obstructed justice, the investigation would not have been able to find that he colluded or his campaign colluded. I'm not saying they did, but but, I mean that. Can I I respond to that? No, let's let's take a look at this because and Sebastian's going to know the actual number. I don't remember it, but listen, the whole basis of that investigation was a false report that was used. What is it, Sebastian? Five, six times to go back to the FISA court. 
Yeah. So, so like, I, I, this is kind of like I'm not not sure if this is what Mario wanted to do with, with this space, but if and, and there's no point really debating it because you're know, the likes of the Krasensteins who just it, so Ash, how about instead of attacking people, you well, can just can, have a discussion? Can, can can hang on, Brian, 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 Brian. Multiple people were found to have back. Multiple Trump campaign officials were found to have tried to create back channel relations with Russia. No, that's just a lie. You can't even name one of those individuals. Do you want me Never to happened. talk about Carter that? Page. Carter Page, who was the first victim, had actually helped the FBI put multiple Russian agents in jail. That was Carter Page. A DOJ lawyer had to fake, had to forge a CIA document which stated Carter Page has assisted us in the past to forge it, to reverse it, to say Carter Page is a Russian asset. He was found guilty of forging that document. He was suspended for eight months from the D.C. bar because he actually forged a CIA document to be used in evidence in an illegal FISA court surveillance warrant against Carter Page, after which they used the two-hop rule to spy on any member of the Trump campaign. And I will say for the record, in the six years since then, not one individual has been charged or prosecuted or convicted for working with the Russians or colluding with the Russians from the campaign or the administration. On the contrary, McGonigal, Charles McGonigal, the head of counterintelligence for the biggest FBI field office in America, in New York, was arrested two days ago. And he was found, he was found, he was charged in a 38 charge indictment with working for Armenian and Russian oligarch and intelligence assets, receiving $250,000 in cash in one payment. And by the way, who's Charles McGonigal? He's the person Comey sent to New York to be head of CI, and he's the FBI senior supervisory agent in charge who initiated Operation Crossfire Hurricane against Mike Flynn. So let's, if you want to talk about this issue, I am happy to talk about this issue, but let's talk facts. Okay, yeah, yeah. Bullshit. Let, let, me, let me respond to that. So you said there is no back channels trying to be set up. Uh, there were several back channels. You can talk about Eric Prince in the Seychelles was trying to set up a back channel. You can also talk about Jared. Eric Prince didn't work for the campaign. What, what are you saying. talking hey, about? Hey, Sebastian, calm down there, buddy. Let me finish what I'm saying. Okay, Jared Kushner. I'm not your buddy, dude. Uh, well, okay. I am not well, your will buddy. Will you be my buddy? I really want you to be my buddy. So you Sebastian's seem like a trigger. Really hey, dude, dude, I'm not dude, your buddy, dude, pal. Dude, just Brian, Brian, get to your point, man. And, I'm not your pal, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, like I was saying, Jared Kushner, as well as other people within the Trump administration, including Michael Flynn, talked to Sergei Kislyak. Kis, Kislyak. I can't say his name. The Rus- Russian ambassador Kislyak to uh, discuss a back channel. This took place. This The Mueller report found that this took place. So, I, I, I mean, it's irresponsible to say that. What are you were... saying? I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, some of the stuff that you're report. making up. Maybe you some of the stuff you're no, making I'm not. up. I, uh, uh, I know where you're getting it from. Other stuff, I don't even know where you're getting it from. Like what? What don't you know what I'm get, where I'm getting it from? What 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 misconduct did General Flynn engage in related to Ambassador Kislyak about back channels? That, that's just ridiculous. 
He was the national, incoming national security advisor. He talked to the ambassador of Russia in a way to advance U.S. interests. And the, by their own admission, he had done nothing wrong, yet they continued to spy on and target him. The story of Russia is the story of government abuse using Russia as a pretext to target their political opponents. And they made it up and they lied in, admit, in, in admissions. Mueller found, to be clear, that no American knowingly colluded with the Russians to change or affect the outcome of the election. That's what Mueller concluded. Yeah. So, you know, this is all just make-believe. Yeah. Okay, so, and, so and, and Seb is right. There should have been people put in jail and or fired in significant ways. Many were fired, although for pretend reasons other than spying. Uh, but yeah. uh, it's... President Trump is a crime victim in ways no president in American history has been. Not well, General Michael Flynn is a free man. He's a patriot and a hero. So can we all please just talk about what we actually came on this space to talk about Trump 2024? Thank you, Laura. It is related. Sebastian, can, can we just ask you to, to give your opinion now on, on the 2024 election and, and Trump's chances? I think it's his if he wants it. If if anybody runs against him, we'll have a primary, which is the American way. He'll do what he did in 15. And the last man standing will probably be President Trump. And I think he's the guy we need because everybody else is somebody who would want to serve for eight years, which means they're going to want to be reelected after four. President Trump can't be reelected after four which means he can come in and really burn the swamp down. He can get rid of the people at the seventh floor of the Hoover building, the political hacks running the DOJ. He can uh, start cleaning out shop at CIA and NSA. So, you know, we, we need a bull in a China shop, and uh, President Trump is that person if he wants it. I think he wants it. Everybody else is just going to be a politician unless a, a celebrity uh, climbs into the ring, which is not out of the question. President Trump was a celebrity and not a politician. The real issue is, isn't not isn't him or his running. It's the GOP, the RNC under Romney, uh, McDaniel under Mitch McConnell, who have done nary a thing to clean up. Uh, the election fraud in America or even organized ballot harvesting in those states where it is legal. That's the challenge. It's election integrity and uh, playing the system where it has to be played in ways where where the DNC and the Democrats actually have the process down, like the big Democrat cities in Republican states. So, so Sebastian, uh, actually, Tom uh, or Laura, let's have you jump in first and then I want to hear from Tom, too. Yeah, you know, I've already endorsed President Trump for 2024, and obviously he's the best man for the job. Uh, clearly, there's already an organized effort where the RNC and the DNC have joined uh, forces to undermine President Donald Trump. You see this in this <laughs> very fake and manufactured, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis for president uh uh, operation that they've decided to launch with the Murdochs and Fox News. And of course, uh, Paul Ryan, who's an advisor to Ron DeSantis, has endorsed Ron DeSantis for president, said that he hopes Ron DeSantis runs against President Trump. And then, of course, like I said, he's on the board of Fox News. So this is a very coordinated effort by the most treacherous rhinos and deep state actors to, you know, push out it's essentially like, uh, you know, psychological operation where they're trying to push out fake polls. Uh, you see this. I live in Florida and, um, you know, I voted for Governor DeSantis uh, for, for reelection, but I certainly don't want him to run against President Trump. And 
Uh, I think that you're 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 already seeing people like uh, Nikki Haley uh, entertain a presidential run. Uh, you can expect uh, John Bolton to probably file to run as well. Uh, but um, ultimately, even if President Trump ends up winning the primary, the biggest uh, the biggest uh, you know factor in him getting to the White House for I guess uh, you know his second term, even though you know we all know he won in um, 2020 as well. <laughs> Uh, is going to be voter fraud and the fact that the RNC and the GOP leadership has done absolutely nothing to address big tech election uh, interference, uh, censorship, and mail-in ballot fraud. So uh, given the fact that Republicans have control of the House, but all their bills are going to be uh, dead on arrival in the Senate, (laughs) I don't really see any real genuine or impactful uh, election reform uh, taking place. We're definitely not going to have Uh, federal uh, voter ID laws uh, with uh, Democrats in control of the Senate. Uh, Big tech is still completely out of control. Uh, So it's it's just, we've already seen, it doesn't matter how good of a candidate you are. You can be the best candidate. Uh, President Trump literally ran against an Alzheimer's patient who didn't campaign at all, and they stole the election. And my fear is that, you know, we're going to have a repeat of that in 2024, even though President Donald Trump is the best man for the job. So what's the point of anyone running if uh, they're going to steal election? Well, that's uh, that's what I've been saying lately, you know, especially as a two-time uh, congressional candidate. And look, I was the only deplatformed candidate, the first in U.S. history <laughs> to be completely denied access, even though I won the Republican nomination. President Donald Trump endorsed me and he voted for me in 2020 when I was on the ballot. I think America's a failed state now, personally. Uh, I know that some people on the right tend to disagree with me, but I, I really honestly think we're at the point of no return. Uh, I really, you know, I'm hoping for a miracle and hope that President Donald Trump can get into the White House again so that he can uh, burn the swamp down, um, you know, as his uh, last final hurrah. Um, but uh, the likelihood of that, it's it, it's not necessarily... Um, you know, a deficiency on President Donald Trump, but it's a it's it's a testament to just how crooked and corrupt our election system is in this country. The fact that, you know, Facebook announced today that they're finally going to reinstate uh, Trump's account on Facebook and Instagram. The fact that he filed months ago uh, to run for reelection and they kept him banned and have kept, you know, the leader of the free world before the transition of power took place in 2021, they banned him. The fact that big tech is now more powerful than any elected representative or any representative body in this country in the entire world shows you we don't have real elections in this country. We have selections in this country. And that's yeah. why, you know, I filed I filed a uh, $10 billion uh, RICO case uh, recently against uh, Facebook and Twitter and Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg and P&G and actors within the FBI for their illegal election interference and, uh, you know, these these crimes, this is a coordinated criminal conspiracy. And thanks to Elon Musk, right, who released these Twitter files, we now know that, no, this is not a conspiracy theory. It is a conspiracy reality and a conspiracy fact. Yeah. Uh, so so Josie um, and for all who don't know, that's the redhead, redheaded libertarian up there. Uh, welcome Hi. to the channel. We'd love to have you here. Uh, but Thank I do you. want to ask you a question about that. So there are a lot of allegations about you know, voter fraud, the 2020 election being stolen and uh, and possible ways that was done. So uh, I want your feedback on that. But then I also want an opposing opinion on that. So if you can run us through that, I'd appreciate it. So um, 
I believe it's my belief that there was a lot of ballot harvesting that uh, went on during the 2020 election and also the 2016 election. But um, so ballot harvesting, when you go into one building in, in, a, in, a, in a city, you can come out of there with, you know, 2000 ballots. You know, a lot of people live in one building. If you're going to try to ballot harvest in, um, in the country, you can walk 10 miles between houses before you get another human being. So I believe it's Scott Pressler who's trying to come up with a way to teach Republicans how to ballot harvest in the states it's legal, just like the Democrats do. Because at this point, I mean, I, I'm not sure we'll ever have another Republican president again. And um, if that happens, there's no balance. There's certainly no democracy with all the unelected actors that are uh, leading leading the charge, whether it's in the FBI, which is very corrupt. I can't imagine being a fanboy for them. Or in uh, big tech, um, there's a lot of people running this. As Laura said, it's a it's a selection at this point. So um, I'm I'm hoping that uh, Republicans will follow Scott Pressler's lead. He has flipped red counties, I believe Miami or uh, some something thereabouts. He flipped that that he flipped the blue county red is what I mean to say. I'm sorry. Um, so I, I believe he has the tools. He'd be able to teach people, but. Um, so, so that's 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 my opinion on on the ballot harvesting. It's it's uh, you got to beat them at their own game at, at this point. Um, and there's really nothing that they won't do to attain power, as they call it, their democracy. Every time you say, um, every time you hear democracy, if you replace it with hegemony, it, it it makes a little more sense. So every time you see a threat to our democracy, you read it as a threat to our hegemony, yeah. and you'll be like, oh. Yeah, well, yes. I wouldn't say that we even have democracy in this country anymore. Um, I think that we're living in a communist technocracy, if anything. Okay, um, mm-hmm. so just like just as uh, you you know you you added on right to what I was saying about the fact that it's a selection, so it's clear you know what what democracy like what democracy do we have in this country? I don't see it. I mean, it's we're, an illusion. we're living under communism. It's the yeah, choice is an illusion in this country. So you know, honestly, I think. I think the issue of ballot harvesting and mail-in ballot fraud is, is certainly an issue. But also, I think one of the biggest issues, too, is these is the machines. Okay, uh, in the state of Florida, where I live, you know, people want to say, oh, yeah, we have clean and fair elections. We don't. Uh, our state uses the ERIC system. Okay, uh, big tech is uh, going completely unpunished for, um, uh, you know, censoring candidates and, uh, deplatforming individuals like myself. I mean, my, my race, for example, was only determined by 5,800 votes. Okay. And when you look at the fact that I was the only candidate denied all access to social media and the media was about to call my race for me on election night at 99% reporting. And then all of a sudden, right, a batch of 58 mail-in ballots came in. Um, you know, it's pretty clear that big tech is playing a, a really big role in who's sitting in office today and who isn't. So, um, I think that uh, when you look at the fact that big tech is also financing a lot of um, the mail-in ballot fraud that is taking place in our country, like uh, last election season, 2020, 400, over $400 million of Zuckerbucks, okay, went towards uh, these illegal drop boxes. Uh, it's a huge problem. And uh, yeah. I think that all, all Republicans have done a terrible job. And I say this as somebody who's been registered as a Republican my entire life, somebody who's disgusted with the GOP. I find myself to be politically homeless. They've done nothing to address big tech tyranny. Nothing. 
Yeah. So, so Laura, I do, I want to ask you, I want to ask you two questions here and then I got to go to Brian for a response and then Tom, we're going to get you in here as well. Uh, Laura, so do you believe with the current system we have that there is a possibility that Trump can win in 2024? And if not, how do we fix that before 2024? Well, like I said, I support President Donald Trump and, you know, it, it's not it's not a deficiency on his character. It's not a deficiency on on his policies. I certainly support his America first agenda. It's a testament to the failures of our election system and just the uh, corruption. Right. We don't have a two party system. It's a uniparty. And so um, I don't really see currently how any Republican wins in 2024 right now. I don't see how we flip any of the House seats, any of the Senate seats. And while I want President Donald Trump to win, you can want something but the reality of it, it's not that I don't think that he as a candidate is capable on his own accord. If we lived in a free and fair country with free and fair elections, you know, he would be he would have he would have already been finishing up his second term in office right now. But we don't live in a free country anymore. We don't have due process. OK, look at these sham trials that are happening with regards to J6. OK, you're not given a, a fair trial. You don't have freedom of association anymore. Uh, they've completely shredded the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. And they've they've rigged and stolen our elections and big tech, okay, which is financing all these deep state operations and all of these uh, mail and ballot ballot harvesting operations are the most powerful people in the world. So I I just don't see how anybody on the Republican side gets to um, the White House in 2024. And I'm just being realistic. Laura, I think you're underestimating the anger amongst the people. And I think we also underestimate that that Trump, everything is known about Trump. There's nothing like in a debate that anybody can put on him that's going to have any effect on anyone because it's all out there. DeSantis, I don't think it's going to be able to stand up to the to the light. Oh, I'm not saying and, that Donald Trump no, is capable of winning a primary. I'm just saying that he no, I know, won I know, in but 2020. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that I just think that the people have their eyes open right now fact that facebook and instagram opened him up today and google will do the same with youtube Mm -hmm. um he's gonna he's gonna be a he's gonna he's a wrecking ball he he's fucking reckless to the point to where nobody can handle him and and he tells enough truth uh in in whatever manner he does it that it's so hard to manage I, i i have um been privy to interview a lot of people managing that interview is like so difficult this guy goes where he wants he moves the conversation how he wants to and he's compelling and people follow him so i just think the people are very angry we, we don't know how much pent-up demand there is right now for the truth and i think that there's a tremendous amount of it and you see it with these with the covid conversations anything myocard anything that's been suppressed seems to have a tremendous amount of energy in it right now Okay. So, so Brian, I'm going to let you respond to that, and then I got to go to Tom right after. So, yeah. yeah so, so I don't think Trump doesn't have a shot. I, I think that he does have a shot. But if I was a Republican, I would probably be pulling for DeSantis because I think that he has a better shot. Now, that's given that Trump doesn't decide, "Hey, I, I lost the nomination. I'm going to run as an independent." I think that would really screw things over. But um, I would be, as a Democrat, I'm more fearful of DeSantis than I am of Trump, just because, I mean, Trump lost by 7 million votes. I, I don't think he's gained any since 2020. I don't think he's gained 
gained people that are going to vote for him. I think he could have lost some. Uh, DeSantis, I don't think he's the best candidate either. I think he's great in Florida, but I don't think he's great for the entire country. I, I think some of the social things he's doing uh, would turn a lot of independence off. Uh, that's just my thoughts. John? Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Uh, there's a lot to, to talk about here, uh, but, I'll, you know, I'll just try to sum it up. Uh, the first question is, can Trump be the nominee? Right. And uh, that's uh, probably more likely than not. Uh, prob- you know, I would give him 75 percent chance of being the nominee. And then once you're the major party nominee in this country, uh, it's a jump ball politically at election time. And what the left has tried to do was to make it less of a jump ball. And, uh, you know, the Republican Party strategy in uh, many elections is to kind of to, they, they they factor in the the fraud uh, that their opponents engage in and, and try to overcome that uh, with additional votes. And I think Trump attempted to do that in 2020 and was unsuccessful. Uh, because the structure of the elections were changed in such a way uh, that, it, that you know, no matter what number he'd come up with, there'd always be just a little bit more for the other side in these key states. You have to go back to 2020 and remember on election night, uh, per, you know, President Trump had the votes to win the presidency. And that was changed. That result was changed as a result of unprecedented voting in uh, vote counting in multiple states that occurred for days and weeks after the election. Nothing like that's ever happened before in American history. And it fatally undermined for half the country confidence in the outcome of the election. That's the reality. So, you can you can say that that's you know, that, that that shouldn't be the case, but that is the case. And now we find from the Twitter files that in difference, in addition to the infrastructure of the election being manipulated in a way that uh, made election fraud almost um, ir- 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 uh, 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 almost almost uh, too irresistible uh, to not engage in. Uh, we had the system rigged by the media, by big tech, uh, by censoring and withholding key information that would have had a material impact on the race about a candidate, Joe Biden, while specifically throttling the reach of another candidate, President Trump. And we're seeing that already happening again, beginning to happen again with, you know, Facebook pretending to let Trump on, uh, but essentially threatening him with another ban through the election if he dares ask the wrong types of questions about election integrity. So, you know, that's that's what we're coming into. And on top of that, we have the Justice Department actively interfering in the election with a raid on President Trump home, President Trump President Trump's home, uh, the continued harassment of him on that issue, the Mar-a-Lago records issue, and by trying to criminalize disputing an election and thinking of ways to try to jail him for daring daring to exercise his rights under federal state and the Constitution, uh, federal state law and the Constitution to challenge the elections. So those those are the kind of the challenges. The question is is are we going to have a jump ball election, which is typically what happens given the division in this country, or are we just going to have another rigged election in the sense that folks will be put who will have put their thumbs on the scale in a way that most directly we saw with the Twitter files 
or in a way that ruins the election outcome in the sense that no one can have confidence in the outcome and yeah. and the losing side is upset as a result and you know that that's that's the reality and uh, we're going to and and I think I'm I think I'm calling it as fairly as I can given my personal predilections as to who should be winning elections so so Tom I do want to ask you one point on that do you believe that the mail in ballots actually uh, because you're, you're the president of Judicial Watch. I want everybody to know that. And, you, you know, you are you're very up on you spend all day, every day looking at data, looking at records. Do you believe that mail in ballots changed the result of the election? And was that because of fraud or just because of accessibility and ease of voting? Uh, when when the mail in ballots are uh and collected and con- when the mail in balloting is conducted and collected in a way contrary to state law at the time, that's fraud. You know, when you're doing things outside the law, that's fraud. You don't have to prove that this vote was defrauded. All you have to show is, in my view, and, and, and I think the law is pretty clear on this, that, uh, you, you can't be confident in the outcome given the grave disruption to the systems. And uh, it's like going into an accounting firm, right? Or, you know, your accountant going into a financial firm or a bank and they have black paint over all the cameras. They're not keeping books. Uh, they're telling you, oh, you know, what you want these numbers, give us three weeks to get them to you, even though they're supposed to be available upon demand. You just have to presume there's fraud going on when you've got uh, such misconduct obviously happening in those processes. And, and I think that's the conclusion many Americans came to. And I, you know, what I would have done was I would have, if I were in state legislative authority and had the ability to do it, I would have rerun some of those elections in the States at the presidential level, level, given the fact that things were ruined so much. Uh, so I, I I don't think, you know, there's a standard that, that, Oh, there's, you don't have evidence of enough fraud, individual fraud. But when you set up a system that makes fraud impossible to detect, and easy to commit, uh, you, we should we should be very much concerned. You know, uh, Tom, okay. I want to ask you a question because I have been uh, telling people for some time that an, an, an another problem with this, like everyone was going around saying Dominion voting machines did this or that thing, and I don't know that I'm convinced of that necessarily at all, but th- let's just say that people are concerned about it. One of the major problems we have in the states as to that issue with electronic voting machines that do exist is the insistence upon voting or election officials to not allow thorough audits. Like they, they like shut it down. If anyone even tries to ask for it, they say, no way you can't have access to it. And then you see some real aggressive attempts to not even just make it clear that it was done properly. And and that, that I think, is a real frustration for Americans. Well, I, I, it is a frustration, and, and election officials aren't used to doing that. Yeah, you know, uh, whether it's going to happen in 2024 or beyond, I don't know. I hope the republic survives long enough. Uh, but, uh, you know, we need to move back because there's it's no way to run a railroad is to have elections – that begin um, months before Election Day and that don't end and aren't resolved till weeks or months after Election Day. Uh, there's no reason in this modern society 
that states can't run an election and to get the results affirmed the day of by requiring people to show up with IDs, citizenship verified, uh, to vote on the day of. And uh, the uh, the outliers should be folks voting and uh, unsupervised voting uh, should be rare. And the exceptions, in my view, should prove the rule uh, that you have to vote in person uh, with your identity verified and your citizenship verified. And the fact that the left opposes that and essentially wants to end elections, right? When you're conducting elections over months, that's not an election. That's a rolling survey uh, that allows you to gain the system in ways that our are, you know, no law enforcement um, entity could track. Uh, unsupervised voting is an anathema to fair and clean elections. And I understand why Republicans want to start embracing uh, um, uh, ballot harvesting, but that's another anathema to free and fair elections, widespread ballot harvesting. And so, so, you know, so, that's so a game. Josie- you're always going to be behind and there's got to be some urgency in, 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 in getting uh, elections back to, you know, integrity 101. Yeah. So, so Josie, I'm going to let you respond to that. And then I, uh, I got to go to Michael after that. So go ahead. Uh, respond to the ballot harvesting. Respond to whatever you want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, so ballot harvesting, um, the whole idea was that they're doing it in states where it's legal. So, uh, you have to match them in states where it's, where it's legal. Um, I know it's, it's hard and it's, it feels dirty because it's not really the way Republicans have played in the past. But, um, yeah, I did want to weigh in on something earlier. Um, I, I host spaces on my page and I dedicate them to revolutionary history. I did one today on Thomas Paine. And a gentleman from Lebanon was listening in and um, I made him a speaker and he came in to speak and he was saying how in, in Lebanon, they're watching America and they're watching America fall to what looks like communism. And this is from Lebanon. So this isn't just, you know, gossip from libertarians and, and conservatives that that's watching this happen. And the other thing he said was that um, it, it, America is kind of the place everybody looks to. It's it's like the the holy grail, and um, if America falls, there's nowhere else to go. So so I mean, we 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 are losing our republic. We are not a democracy. Um, it, the illusion of democracy is actually extreme authoritarianism. Um, and so you know, if you if you are a, a Democrat and you want your people to win, like you really need to look at like. You know, the First Amendment's gutted, the Second Amendment's gutted, you know, the Fourth Amendment's gutted, like, uh, due process is trash. If you look at January 6th, like, states' rights they're trying to infringe on. Um, and just real quick, I wanted to roll into states' rights. Um, I, I I live in Florida. I have uh, Governor DeSantis as my governor, and I like him as my governor very much. Um, I read the bills, so I know the, um, the I, I know why we don't have, um, I know why the don't say gay bill is is a pejorative term to um, turn off people to uh, to to Florida um, because the word gay is not even mentioned in it. But um, I, I like him as my governor. I believe as a libertarian, the way forward is is strong states rights, because like I said, I don't have faith that uh, the elections can be corrected before we lose our republic. Um, so that would mean that we can hopefully have a bunch, 50 sovereign states who all have trade agreements, kind of like how it was at the beginning. 
And I worry about what would come after Ron DeSantis in, in my free state if he, uh, if he ran for governor, um, because I, I believe we should be strengthening states um, to prepare for what is happening to our federal government. So sorry, I bounced around a lot. But. No, it's okay. It's good. We love your opinion. We love your opinion. Um, Michael, <laughs> you've, been, you've been listening in for a while, so I, I do want your opinion. I'm sure you've got a lot of points to make here. Yeah, I've been uh, trying to be on my best behavior and wait patiently and not, not interrupt, which could be difficult for me as a uh, fundamentally, <laughs> Good job. Uh, fundamentally immature it. child. Um, the, on, I, I was thinking when I first came into this session, when we had that tangent going on around the Russia investigation and Mike Flynn, and it seemed like it was not at all relevant to the stated theme of the room, which is can Trump win in 2024, but I actually want to propose a way in which I actually think it is almost directly relevant, maybe in a sense that people don't quite comprehend immediately. Um, first, just in terms of the pure, purely descriptive element of this, I mean, uh, I don't know if Harry is still in this room, but uh, I have to just say, Harry, I'm, I'm impressed by how self-assured you were and how simultaneously just dead wrong you were on the basic facts. That's always a, uh, always a, an attractive combination. Um, so just to clarify, and I'm, I, I promise I'm going to get to a broader point on Trump's prospects in 2024 here. I'm not just going on a pure tangent, but, uh, no, the appointment of Robert Mueller in May of 2017 was explicitly authorized. And you can find all the original source material corroborating this explicitly authorized to investigate, quote, any links or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump, which came to be synonymous with this notion of collusion. In the scope memo that Rod Rosenstein later uh, issued to Mueller, clarifying the parameters of his uh, investigative remit, he said that Mueller is authorized to investigate, investigate, quote, any links or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump. So clearly, the scope of Mueller's investigation was to investigate collusion. It wasn't just some side issue. It wasn't sort of immaterial or kind of uh, ancillary. That was the whole reason why the investigation itself was ever even claimed to be necessary. And I'm saying that not to relitigate the Russian investigation, because Lord knows I spent plenty of time and more than enough time on that while it was under uh underway and uh, unfortunately oh if sebastian is still here sebastian um this is something where you and i will probably see more eye to eye than we did uh yesterday so uh you can rejoice over that um because uh you know mike flynn clearly was railroaded by entrapment um and lots of other people who got ensnared by the russian investigation got unjustly targeted by the punitive weight of the federal law enforcement apparatus and now why is that relevant for trump in 2024 well, it stands to reason, I think, that uh, given all w- which transpired while Trump was in office, given how exaggerated, given uh, what exaggerated terms people, for example, seem to view January 6th and where, they, where they'll call it a literal attempted coup, they'll call it a uh, close call in terms of the government nearly being overthrown, They'll say that, you know, it was the most uh, profound attack ever on American democracy or maybe even just humanity itself. I think it's probable that you're going to have factions within 
the uh, federal law enforcement apparatus, who uh, similarly uh, are going to have certain grudges against Trump in this forthcoming campaign, as they had against Trump in the 2016 campaign based on his perceived sort of status as an interloper or someone who is a threat to institutions or who is in some nebulous sense of national security threat. And now that also ties to Russia, to Russia, the Russian, the Russian, sorry, the Russia investigation more explicitly in the sense that what are the issues at hand going to be probably as we proceed forward toward this primary cycle, right? All signs point to the Ukraine war continuing on. So, you know, the specter of Putin, the specter of who is excessively kind of uh, deferential to Putin or doesn't oppose him enough or doesn't want to send enough howitzers or tanks, that's all going to be kind of congealed in some, some sort of political attack narrative against Trump. So who knows? They could resurrect some sort of collusion, collusion allegation because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe lots of people in this room, except Harry, uh, know that the basic facts of how that investigation was pro- probably predicated, but it's not commonly known within the wider public. And there are lots of people who, you know, maybe are still in the DOJ or the NSA or the CIA or the FBI who uh, think that maybe they can achieve vindication where Mueller failed them by not unearthing the bombshell evidence of smoking gun collusion that they thought was right. going to come out. So it's so uh-huh. in terms of Trump's prospects in 2024, yeah, you could talk about election administration and stuff. I mean, Laura Loomer saying we live in a communist uh, technocracy because she lost the Republican primary in Florida last summer, I think is a bit of a stretch. But, you know, bracketing that um, one also highly relevant factor is to what extent are, are there going to be additional I go to machinations to against second, Trump so. within the federal law enforcement apparatus to uh, undermine him and to uh, box him in politically or maybe even legally? Just to correct okay. you, she didn't lose her primary. She won her primary. She lost the general election. Correct. No, she lost her primary in 2022 to the Republican incumbent. That's what I was just referencing. Oh, 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 oh okay, uh, in no, 2020, she 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 was a nominee. Yeah. So, so right. you're in right. 2022, she ran again against Daniel Webster, mm-hmm. the incumbent Republican congressman, and lost. And I guess if she like got another eight points and beat Daniel Webster in the Republican primary, uh, we wouldn't be in the communist technocracy. So maybe it all hinges on her own electoral fortunes. I don't know. Maybe she can explain in a very persuasive way, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. So, so Harry, let's, let's bring you in on this because I know yeah, you've Harry got, I know you've got some opinions and you were just called out. So let's hear you. Yeah. No, I just want to, I just want to quickly ask a simple question. Michael, do you think Russia interfered in the 2016 election? Uh, I'm not going to do your like interrogation style questions. Oh my God. So you can rant about me. I brought up something that you were just flatly factually wrong about. Oh, come on, man. You could, you could acknowledge being wrong about it when you say interfere. No, don't run you from know, the question. Don't run from the question. Okay. I'll answer your question. I'll answer your question. I'll answer your question. I shouldn't have said that I won't answer because even though it's a facile question, I'll answer it. Really? Interference. Did Russia interfere? Well, you know, I think interference is such a, un, a non-specific kind of manipulatable term that I just reject the premise of the validity of its use. Are you going to say now? Are you, does interference mean social media bots? So like some whacked out troll accounts on Twitter or the Bernie Sanders in a speedo meme on Facebook that you can trace in some roundabout way to the uh, troll farm in St. Petersburg? Is that interference? Well, I don't know. I guess you could make a theoretical case for that. But I think the word interference was used so propagandistically and histrionically throughout the Trump 
presidency when the Russian interference narrative was at its peak that I'm just um, strongly disinclined to accept the premise of it being a uh, descriptively useful term to use. So let me ask okay. you, Harry, do you acknowledge that you are just dead wrong and like smugly so about the initial predicate for why Rod Rosenstein in May of 2017 appointed Robert Mueller uh, special prosecutor? Yeah, again, uh, I dispute that. Uh, it wasn't too... In- the do you, you the dispute the... Wait, wait, wait. I let uh, you rant for 10 minutes. I let you rant for 10 minutes. I didn't interrupt Okay, go ahead. Uh, the You're disputing primary source documents. The reason for the investigation was to investigate Russian collusion. Not... Or excuse, right. me, excuse me. Russian interference. Exactly. Election, okay, we can stop not, there. Not yeah. Russian collusion. That the investigation later expanded, but the beginning of the wrong. investigation. I mean, you're wrong. Was yeah, uh, Michael, let him respond. You, you just don't know your facts, Michael, which Michael, again makes your smugness all the more Michael, absurd. Michael, Michael, you yeah, got, you go got ahead, ten minutes, buddy. The fact that you can't just say, "Yeah, Russia played a role in interfering our elect in, in our election," which is interference is the propaganda term that I'm not going to abide. Wow, wow Michael, you can be quiet now. Um, the fact that you can't just say Russia interfered in our election, which is the finding of our intelligence community and the uh, the finding of a bipartisan group in the Senate, the Senate, Senate Intelligence Committee that was or hallowed uh, intelligence Republicans community. that was led by the Republicans is concerning. There's okay, ample evidence. There's am- I'm not saying you're a Republican, but I'm saying it's bipartisan, right? There's ample evidence to when suggest. When something's bipartisan, bipartisan no, no, no. it's more likely to Michael, be wrong. Michael, do you have Michael, any restraints? Michael, give him 15 more seconds, and then I'm going to let you respond. Sorry, I'll give you 15 seconds. I, I would prefer more because he got a lot, but that's okay. okay. We'll give you 30 then, yeah, Barry. Yeah. No, no, you're good. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just it's okay. But anyway, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just wrap up by saying, because I want to I address the bigger point that was made earlier about like the election stuff. But to just, to just that you can't just say, yes, they interfered, it is quite concerning for me, given the ample evidence. And I would direct you to the Mueller report, uh, which it seems like you might not have read. But I just uh, want everybody uh, believe crowd, me, I've read listen, it. I just want everybody in the crowd to acknowledge that all the Republicans up here or people on the right, I don't know, I'm not going to assume your political, for political affiliation. All the people on the right up here that claim that the election was fraudulent didn't cite a single legal case in which voter fraud was found, which means they, they suggest that these legal bodies across the United States, many of which were Trump-appointed judges, are all engaging in a conspiracy to fuck over Donald Trump. Excuse my language. And that includes uh, the Supreme Court as well. So these people are suggesting that there's a massive conspiracy against Donald Trump. Just take that in and realize how crazy it is. He didn't win a single case. The only case he won, he didn't win a single massive voter fraud case. The only case he won was a case that pertained to the distance that people could stand from people counting ballots. That was the only case he won. All the other cases were denied. And then, you know, maybe they'll say, oh, they were denied on standing. Yeah, if you don't have standing, that means you cannot prove that there was any harm done, that there was any damage, right? Well, so you, you know, as someone who looked at these cases, I, you know, Henry, Henry is just citing these Harry, talking points Harry, from the left Harry. that don't have any real basis in reality. Uh, the, the, the challenges the Trump campaign brought most of them were still pending and were mooted out as a result of the uh, deadlines that they ran up against. In Georgia, they had a substantial case alleging fraud and misconduct. The Georgia uh, laws required the appointment of a judge. The chief judge in that case simply refused to do it uh, until it became too late to litigate it, and it became all mooted out. So, you know, this talking point is about 62 election cases all lost. That's not the reality of the litigation. 
there the cases brought by the campaign were substantial and were mooted out as a result of uh, the certification for Biden, whether it be in December or in January. And the court's failures to grapple uh, with these election challenges is a is a is a you know is a, is a stain upon our judicial system. Uh, so it's it's the reality is much more complex uh, than really the young not. person talking about it. Tom, it's really uh, not though. Like there was there were over sixty cases brought. Okay, sorry guys, we can't talk over each other. Can we bring Brandon in because he's been waiting patiently to talk? Hey, what's up? Uh, I'd just like to say I folded four loads of laundry while I was waiting to uh, answer the question, can Donald Trump win in 2024? So, <laughs> excellent. Sorry, man. Tough crowd. Tough crowd, no, Brandon. Sorry, sorry. I think you're in the room. We are here to serve you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not a problem. I'm taking a very long trip tomorrow, so it was a good use of my time. Uh, before I get started, I wanted to say to uh, Harry, my organization, Walkaway, uh, we're putting an effort into doing a lot of live debate events this year, and I would sincerely like to invite you to be a part of that. I sent you a DM, and uh, I would love it if you answered me back, because we're always looking for strong voices on the left to represent that point of view. So please consider. Oof. That's rough for the left. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, the question is, um, can Donald, uh, the question is, can Donald Trump win in 2024? Uh, I would say the answer is yes, but I think the bigger question is, will he win in 2024? And unfortunately, my answer to that question is that unless a lot of things change, the answer is no. And we've done, I think we've talked exhaustively about um, election fraud issues and stuff. So that's not even what I'm getting into. I think that's been thoroughly covered and doesn't need to be addressed. The key issues that I see right now with Donald Trump are that circumstances in the world in 2023 are very, very different than circumstances in the world in 2015 and 2016. And Donald Trump is very different in 2023 than he was in 2015 and 2016. One of the key problems I see is that I believe, well, first, actually, before I even say the first thing, let me say there is an entire culture of MAGA people and Trump supporters and former Trump supporters who are, some are blatantly not in favor of him anymore. Some are on the fence and don't exactly know how to feel, but this culture has been developed on the right where it's not safe to talk about not supporting Donald Trump. And what's really interesting is that I actually walked away from the Democratic Party and walked away from liberalism because liberals got into this culture where you can you weren't allowed to challenge anything. You weren't allowed to ask questions. You weren't allowed to push back on people. Well, I'm seeing that exact same thing happening on the right now. So there's this huge sect of people who are just keeping their mouth shut about the fact that they don't support Donald Trump anymore. And so all of the people who are hardcore Trump loyalists think that he's got a lot more support than he Brian, actually Brian, who's, who's saying really you can't beautiful. not support him? I'm curious. Who's saying that's verboten on the right? Seb, I dare you right now to tweet out, I'm not sure if I'm going to vote for Donald Trump in 2020. Yeah, but that, that's not my opinion. But you have to tell me who's doing that. <laughs> you say it is a thing that's happening. Who, who's doing that? Who's saying you can't do that? I'm curious. I mean, I guess I don't know how to explain to you specific examples, but I'm telling you it's a very real thing. I mean, it's not a small thing. It's a very real thing. I mean, I saw a number of people hitting the 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 heart in the 100% button as I was saying it, too. 
Well, but, but, but it's weird. It's weird because I'm seeing hardcore Trump supporters. Yeah. Hey, hey Seb, 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 Seb. Can you pull your mic away? Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Hang on. It's just weird because I'm seeing a lot of people who are hard, hardcore MAGA. That's much better. You know, much like, uh, what's his name? Cardone and others who are like totally, totally DeSantis now, rabidly anti-Trump. And I don't see them getting any crap saying, no, you're not allowed to say that or you're excluded from conservatism. So so where, where is this happening? Who suffered really? that? And who's saying you can't do that? I mean, I love you, Brandon. I mean, you're, you're like a brother. But 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 who's, who's doing oh, this? Who's doing this? Versa. I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how to answer that question. It's a, I mean, it's a thing that I'm seeing all the time well, then if you're seeing on, it, who's on doing a regular it? basis. Tell me, who's doing it? I, 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 I don't know the names of individuals. I'm telling you that when people put out posts that express that they're questioning – Tracy Beans, great example, Tracy Beans. Tracy Beans put out a post just the other day saying that she wasn't feeling Donald Trump's uh, position on the vaccines – and then she had to write another post saying she couldn't believe the amount of backlash that she was getting from Trumpers because she was questioning Donald Trump. But that's a little, little bit different that's, from I mean, what that's, you said. That's a little bit different from what you said, right? You know that. I mean, talking about vaccines and getting crap from people because you don't agree with their vaccine stance. That's a little bit different from saying you're not allowed to question Trump's supporting Trump, right? She wasn't getting, but she, but she wasn't getting pushback about the vaccines. She was getting pushback about questioning Trump. Yeah, I, I'm still not convinced. I'd love to hear some concrete examples of somebody important, significant, not a troll, saying, "How dare you?" Yeah. So, so Tom, Tom, let's get you in here, man. I know you've been. Well, I, on me. yeah, I, well, I, yeah, I, I barely got gotten started. Let, let's yeah, Brandon, right. let's let yeah, Brandon finish. I wanted to yeah, ask John Tom a question too. That was Brandon's introductory comment. So, I, I, you know, I, I think you know what we're seeing here at the, you know, this is a primary, right? And there are other candidates and their supporters. And it's perfectly natural for, for voters in a primary, if it's, if it's not a, you know, if it's not a totalitarian party to say, Oh, well, you know, what else is out there? You know, I may still probably vote for Trump, but I'm open and listening to Santos. I think one of the fake realities out there is suggesting that there's going to be two candidate primary to Santos who hasn't run or isn't running as far as I can tell at this point. And Trump, and that's not going to be the that's not going to be the primary. You're going to have a at least a six person primary, I would think. And in that case, I think Trump is the you know the overwhelmingly fa overwhelming favorite. And I would say one way to analyze those who are thinking of running against Trump this term or this season, they're as much positioning themselves for the next election because you have to remember it's an open seat in 2028. Uh, so, uh, I, th I think the opposition to, to Trump is overstated. I tend to agree with Brandon. There's, there's a lot of, uh, certainly in social media, there's a lot of friendliness to those who, uh, want to stick it to Trump. And I'm not saying there's any maliciousness there. Uh, but the idea that there's any significant blowback for any media figure or social media person, uh, for opposing Trump these days, I just, it doesn't, it, I, I'm surprised about how, um, quickly uh, a lot of key social media people are willing to dump trump um it's confusing to me uh but it's uh it's i think you know looking at twitter you can see that a lot of people that you know we otherwise support or you know folks we agree with uh on all, almost every issue you're just you're just they're just pro desantis or anyone but trump and you know 
that's that's a pretty remarkable development. Doesn't mean Trump's going to lose. That's for sure. Hey, uh, Tom, yes. I want to ask you a quick question, if I could. Um, so, in the aftermath of the 2020 election, I was getting inundated daily with people who are members of you know the right wing faction of my following, which is fairly sizable, um, with these absolutely 100% confident predictions in how this or that election fraud theory was going to pan out, then it was going to result in the negation of Biden's victory and Trump was somehow going to get in office. And um, you, you could follow, you could go down so many rabbit holes. Um, you know, there was a whole, uh, there was a big cross-section of people who were super invested in the uh, eternal brilliance of uh, Sidney Powell, if that name rings a bell. And uh, I'm sorry, I mean, if you actually read what that woman put into her legal documents, it comes across like some sort of psychedelic, you know, uh, Alice in Wonderland tale. Um, so I guess I'm just wondering if you think that to any extent the uh, rights um, preoccupation or uh, let's say disproportionate focus on questions of election fraud or election administration has been uh, debilitating. Um, because, you know, you brought up early voting earlier, and I just double-checked because I thought this was true. I looked up in Florida. I mean, there's early voting. Um, Republicans are trending upward in Florida. Uh, nobody seems to object that much, as far as I know, to the uh, existence of early voting in Florida. Like, it's not seen as somehow the death knell to democracy or ushering in a I think what Laura Loomer called a communist technocracy. Um, so, I mean, in your experience, do you um, kind of glean any sort of uh, undue uh, fixation on this issue at the expense of others that might actually uh, be of more political or electoral benefit to uh, Republicans? Well, I'm, I'm having trouble understanding where it was a, a, a not a benefit. Uh, because there were some folks who obviously uh, objected to the election process who were reelected. Um, I think to the degree it's a problem in the Republican Party. It's the disconnect between the millions of Americans who feel disenfranchised by the 2020 election and the Republican leadership that refused to kind of deal with it and grapple with it in in the way I think appropriate. You know, and, and I hope you heard, you know, my discussion of it. I think there are substantial issues that need to be discussed as it relates to 2020 and the reforms going forward. So I, I think, you know, there's a way of talking about it uh, that I think most Americans would agree are a fair way of talking about it. And uh, those who are worried about this issue have little voice in Republican leadership on these issues. Uh, and so to agree the, the that's, that's going to be the negative side of it for uh, Republicans, because I think people will be dispirited. Uh, and feel like they can't get their votes counted and will stay home. Do you think Sidney Powell did the cause justice in hindsight? Oh, I think there's a standard for Sidney Powell that was applied to her that wasn't applied to anyone else. So, well, I mean, you know, you know I, look, every, everything, everything we're told to, I, I can't keep track of, of everyone I'm supposed to denounce. I know Sidney Powell to be an excellent lawyer. And uh, the allegation she was making would have been fine if she was a leftist for any judge. Uh, certainly she wouldn't have been sanctioned. And certainly she wouldn't be thrown into the outer dark 
by the establishment class. Uh, she'd be a hero and be running for governor in Georgia. So, Michael, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and then i got to move on. I mean, I don't care if you're left, right, or a gorilla. If you put out the insanity that she put out under the auspices of some sort of legal filing, then, yeah, your essence needs to be questioned. When you say it's insanity, that just tells me you're you're not fairly treating the content you develop. I did. Now, you know, you call it insanity. It's obviously not insanity. She's a lawyer who put forward in good faith allegations she thought she could prove in court and wanted a chance to prove in court. To say it's insanity is not a fair analysis. So, um, so, uh, yeah, so, so I'm going to bring in Jack. Jack Basoviak, welcome back to the stage, man. Um, What do you think of everything you've heard so far? Hey, well, I have to, I have to admit that I I wasn't totally on for the the full discussion other than, um, Tom and 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 Michael Tracy and and a little bit of, of I'm sure uh, there's Dr. plenty Gorka to respond to that though <laughs> and, and Brandon I mean no but I mean I I was just kind of wanted to get in on the uh, on the overall topic and just appreciate everyone's contributions uh, Mike Tracy great reporting on Ukraine as always um, and of course Judicial Watch and just everybody you know I, I'm a huge fan of a lot of the people in here um, so I, I just I guess wanted to respond to the initial question if that makes sense sure go for it yeah so. Um, you know, just looking at, at some of the polling lately that, um, you know, there there are some very reputable mainstream polls. I don't forgive me if this has come up already that have been out in just the past couple of days where where Trump is absolutely dominating uh, Harvard, Harris, Emerson, um, things that people, you know, this isn't like, you know, something that I'm like, oh, I've got to go search deep into the bowels of, of Twitter for or something. This is, you know, Harvard University, right? Um, where they've got him over over Biden by five, they got him over DeSantis, and pretty much every primary poll that I've seen, I think there was a, there were a few that uh, that popped up that looked like he, you know, it was a little bit closer, but he is actually increasing that gap at this point. So, and and really, when I think about it, it's it's like when I go around the country, I go to places in Western Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio they've still got Trump signs up all over the place. And I just don't see those people certainly in that, and particularly in that part of the country uh, going with anyone else right now. I think that uh, something I've learned from, you know, covering so many Trump rallies and, and going to so many different places is that they really view him as somebody who has their back and they have this sort of emotional investment in him as a candidate because they feel that for all these years, he's really spoken to them in terms of really the the difference between a a working class, middle class kind of background um, that's been just completely decimated, particularly in that part of the country, but also in, in areas of the South and others. And they view what he said about trade going back to the 1980s or going back even just to NAFTA in the 1990s has been something that they've really been focused on for so long Whereas when you look at at most other Republicans out there, they're more focused on, you know, uh, are we going to, you know, defeat the Russians? Are we going to uh, lower taxes for for corporate businesses? And you know, Trump is uh, sort of nominally Republican on all those other things, but I really do think that that trade and immigration are the two issues that won for him in 2016. And and agreed, by the way, that there are there's a lot of noise out there, but if he really focuses on those two issues, I don't think anyone beats him. So, so, Jack, I do want to ask you this real quick. The, the poll you're reciting, the, the Harvard-Harris poll, it has Trump at 48, DeSantis at 28, Mike Pence at 7. 
If DeSantis announces for president, by the way, I don't think Pence is a seven. <laughs> I don't think. Actually, I was on war. I was on war room yesterday, and uh, uh, I, I said I don't even think Mike Pence is his own wife's first choice. <laughs> Oof, that's cold, man. That's cold for president. Um, for, president. for president. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but if if DeSantis does announce for president, how much do you see that margin tightening? Oh, the mark. Oh, just just if it's a well, that's the thing is well, um, not with Pence, but you know, Trump. Right, right, right. No, no, no. I I think what no, I I think that what you're going to see is it's not going to be a one-on-one race. I do think, and I've I've said this before, that I predict that the 2024 primary, at least on the Republican side, is going to look a lot more like the 2016 primary than it does the 2020. I mean, there wasn't a 2020 primary. Um, whereas on the Democrats, Joe Biden is is more than likely going to be fielding some primary challenges of his own, even as a sitting president. You saw this happen with with Jimmy Carter in 1980, for example, with, with Ted Kennedy. Um, Who's running Joe against Manchin, Biden? Uh, Joe Manchin, of course, has been has really? obviously was, was on uh, Meet the Press this weekend and basically, you know, did that politician thing of I refuse to deny that I would, would run, you know, that kind of thing, left it open. Uh, Gavin Newsom, of course, I think is somebody who's really chomping at the bit. I think it's no he's not going to run Biden. It's no great secret that he wants to run, though. If Biden doesn't, it's no great secret um, that he wants. Well, yeah, to. if he does, but he's not going to primary Biden. So, so guys, can I? So, so, so Jack, 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 let me let me ask you. But Manchin yeah, certainly could. Manchin, Manchin, Cinema. Um, and on on, on the Republican side, I just think it's kind of a. It is just kind of a. You're looking at a potential free for all. Uh, Pompeo, uh, Nikki Haley. Um, certain, you know, certainly DeSantis, I, I think, uh, would be Christy. would be a strong challenger. Who's so that? Can I just ask, guys? For the, Chris Christie. For oh, Chris Christie. Yeah, in yeah, Chris Christie. Yeah. Guys, let me. Oh, just and ask uh, this Larry question. Hogan but, every once in a while mentions. Let me just ask this question for the Republicans uh, hey, in the hey, room: Is is okay. Trump is Trump going to be is Trump, in your opinion, the better presidential candidate, the better president, or is he just better at playing the game? And it would be very difficult for people to to play his game because it just wouldn't be convincing um, from other candidates. So really just a general question. Do people feel that Trump would make the best president or is he just better at this game than everybody else uh, on the Republican side? This is this is Tom. Let me be clear here. And I'm not endorsing any candidacy here. President Trump was the most consequential president in modern American history. I know folks have pointed to DeSantis's reforms and efforts in, in Florida, which some, many of which are admirable and I support. But in terms of the quantity and impact of policy uh, changes in Washington, Trump is second to none. The regulatory reforms that he was able to implement in the first year or two uh, would have satisfied eight years of uh, conservative uh, hopes in prior administrations. Uh, there's nothing comparable uh, to uh, Trump out there among the current crop of candidates in terms of policy accomplishments, including, I would dare add, saving countless unborn human beings, uh, which generations will venerate him for uh, because of his uh, Supreme Court picks. And uh, so I, I think that's something that we got to calculate. And I'm and I've been surprised, although I shouldn't be, uh, that he can that he's already grabbed the hold of leadership on policy with several initiatives uh, that uh, uh, show that him and his people around him aren't sitting on their laurels and they plan for significant impacts again if he was to be reelected. It's a remarkable political story that's 
we don't want to talk about or many in D.C. don't want to talk about uh, because, you know, Orange Man is, or Orange Man is bad to use the trope. Jack, how would you answer the same question? Uh, well, I, th- I do think that there is a very strong um, argument for for Trump, when it, it, particularly in terms of if you caught my framing earlier of those Rust Belt states. I mean, these are states that many on the right or the Republican side had basically written off. I mean, certainly Pennsylvania was one of them where you don't you didn't see a lot of money dumped into at the national level. Uh, Michigan, Wisconsin. I don't even think anyone thought Wisconsin was on the map. Now, of course, in 24, Republicans have announced that they will be holding the um, the RNC, the the the. Republican National Convention, not the not the committee meeting, which is later this week out in California, where they're you know it's going to be either Harmeet or or Dylan. I'm talking about the 2024 convention will be in Wisconsin, so there is this great possibility that you know he did it once, can he do it again? I don't particularly see anyone else in the field who can do that. Great, anyone else so, want to chime it, in on that? I think it's an yeah, I have part a, of the conversation. Yeah, quick thought on that, you know. My working theory on Trump, and I'm actually curious what Jack thinks about this, in terms of his um, prospects in the 2024 primaries, is that I do think there's a bit of a distortion in the popular view of his strength, because there's a lot of people in right-leaning media who definitely not do not view Trump as their top choice, right? So sure. think of people who like work for magazines or maybe who are... Uh, kind of style themselves a bit more on the the intellectual wing of the conservative sort of media ecosystem where, you know, they're a bit fed up with the baggage of Trump and the chaos. And even if they kind of like uh, accommodate themselves to his more uh, nationalistic kind of uh, breed of conservatism, they don't have him as necessarily the person they want to like spend another four years um, doing, uh, you know, uh, Carrying spend the water another four years right, in the in the company right. of right, yeah, yeah. Um, so so that's going to contribute to the sort of construction of a narrative that I th- think would tend to downplay Trump's historically unique strengths as a candidate. He's going to be an incumbent, or sorry, a quasi incumbent yeah. president running in a primary. You build up an enormous, unrivaled amount of political capital merely by dint of having been president for four years. Remember when you're president. The RNC is basically your own personal political operation, so it's not as though that could just be uh, vanquished from him. Um, and I'm not saying that the RNC is necessarily going to, you know, uh, tilt the scales on his uh, behalf. Although who knows? But well, according to the point bylaws, is, he, he's, he has a huge amount of political to, cachet yeah. that just cannot be rivaled. And so, and I, if you layer on top of that, and there are many other reasons for why I think that he's uh, underappreciated in terms of how uh, formidable he would be in a Republican primary. And some of this like uh, speculation is really just sort of a parlor game about other candidates because you know you don't want it to be a foregone conclusion. You want a little bit of excitement, and that's what, what, what the media incentive is going to be. Like you know who's up, who's down. You know you want people to click on like you want there to be dramatic twists and narrative sort of devices. That's going to be the mo um but you know trump is ultimately a uh he was a mega popular among republicans president who uh received the most votes of any person ever other than biden now leaving leaving aside questions of fraud or what have you just looking at the official totals 2020 i mean he just has to siphon off a very small percentage of that and bring it with him in a primary he uh sails through and not to mention he can say rightly that he delivered on the uh five-decade yearning of conservative evangelical voters in particular, but not just limited them, but, you know, heavily concentrated them in terms of the, what 
issue animates them most, of overturning Roe versus Wade, which is like humongous. So there are a lot of evangelical Christians who are going to see Trump as the person who actually, for once, in contrast with every other Republican on the planet, delivered on their singular kind of the, both theological and political uh, desire. And okay. uh, that Thanks, kind of forces an attachment that I don't think other candidates really have a, sh- a chance in hell of matching. Jack's next, and then Tara afterwards, because I think we need to hear some, some alternatives. So, Jack, if you can come in there. Yeah, no, my, 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 I mean, and, and I, I would agree with, with the sort of undervaluing that's there. And as far as the sort of conservative intelligentsia, if there even is one in America, that, you know, sort of the, the magazine writer, laptop class Republicans, I mean, they weren't with him in 16. They all, those very same people, exactly. in, in some cases, the, the very, same individuals uh were all completely Rubio against people. trump yeah rubio cruz take your pick i mean they they were all against him at the time and that actually made him better but i will say this uh i don't think trump should have a coronation i think there should be a contested a vigorously contested primary i want to see people get uh, to fight this out i really i want to get into these vaccine issues i want to get into the election integrity issues all of it i want to get into every single piece of it i, I want to see attacks on trump from the left i want to see attacks on trump from the right because we saw this in the speaker's race just a few weeks ago that you do ultimately end up with a better product Okay, Tara, do you want to come in? Sure. Um, Can Trump win in 2024? I think he can win the primary for sure. I think that is going to be the most uh, Trump supporters will be in the primary, uh, in the primaries. And I definitely feel he will win um, if he if he continues to want to be president. Um, In terms of the election, I think Trump has always been his own worst advocate in many ways. People have sort of forgotten because Truth Social is really not that big of a platform and also because nobody's paying as much attention to his daily tweets, his daily insults, his daily sort of going against the grain of many people. So what you have to also understand is that Donald Trump is the nominee that brings out the Democrats who hate him. And there are many that is, in fact, why he lost the election, in my view, not love for Biden but literally loathing for Donald Trump. And that loathing is still there and he will feed it because he sort of can't stop himself. He will tweet incessantly. I'm very happy as a Democrat that he's being let back onto Facebook and Instagram because I think the more he is public with his feelings, the better it is for Democrats because he is literally, he can be quite, let's just say he can seem unbalanced in many ways. I want to say one thing about election fraud. Let me just finish, Okay. There was no significant election fraud. Now, you can talk about standing all you want, etc. In fact, most of Trump's lawyers did not even claim fraud when they went into courts. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is because lawyers don't like to claim things that are untrue, that they know are untrue, because they can get censured, as in fact, many of Trump's lawyers have been, as Sidney Powell has been, etc. The Dominion stuff is nonsense. In fact, what do we know? How do we know it's nonsense? Well, we sort of know it's nonsense, because when Dominion has sued Fox News, Bart Remo, all those people. None of them has claimed truth as a defense. Nobody has sort of said, oh, no, it's true. What they've done is said things like, well, we didn't have to investigate. We didn't have to look into this. We didn't, you know, etc." But they're not saying it's true because it isn't true. Literally, almost all the facts, quote, facts that Trump ever alleged have been disproven suitcases under the table, nonsense. Sharpies in Arizona, nonsense. Out-of-state trucks, yes, they were hired to bring ballots from one place to the other. 
All of these things have been disproven. There is nothing left. Now you're down to 2,000 mules. Now I'm talking about actual fraud, which is what Trump alleged. I'm not talking about influence. I'm not talking about Twitter. I'm talking about actual fraud. This is nonsense, and he will not win this claim. He has convinced Republicans, but he hasn't convinced anyone else. Thank you. Okay. Thank so, you, too. Sorry, Karen. Uh, yeah, so um, so I definitely uh, – Brandon, can you respond to that point, or or should we, uh, should we defer to – Jack on that. Yeah, no, I definitely can. And, and in fact, she kind of teed me up perfectly. Um, if it's all right, I'd like to just make a couple really quick points that I was going to make. Go for earlier, it, she, she perfectly set me up for. Um, you know, Jack made a... And by the way, I, I want to make my position really clear here. I absolutely want a Republican to... I need a Republican to... I Probably if anybody on this speaker's box, I have a more vested interest in getting a Republican into office because of the situation that I'm currently in. Like, we cannot have a Democrat win again. So my when I bring up different things about Trump, it's only because I'm trying to look for the holes that exist right now that people are not looking at and that people are not seeing so that we can fill those holes so that we can have victory. Bear in mind, I'm a person who was behind Hillary Clinton in 2016. I threw my support behind her. She lost. I threw all my support behind Donald Trump in 2020. And he didn't win the election. And what ended up happening is that we, in both of those situations, I feel like people were focusing so much on signs of uh, of some sort of validation that they were going to be victorious that they missed a lot of things. I think we missed how unpopular Trump had become with suburban women. And I think that that was very, very significant. And I think that when, you know, Jack makes comments like going into these communities and seeing all these Trump signs, I mean, I, I don't disagree with Jack whatsoever. But I'm more interested in the MAGA people who don't have Trump signs in their yards. What are they thinking and what is it going to take to sway them so that we can start winning elections again? And so the few points that I want to make is that, number one, what's different now than it was in 2015, 2016, is that Donald Trump has become a political superstar. He's not the same guy who was doing rallies in airplane hangars for a couple of hundred people and growing this, this movement at a grassroots level. He's become untouchable and inaccessible to most of the people in this country. And the people in this country need him. They need a hero. People are suffering. People are scared. And I think that we've gotten to this point where he's doing these rallies for, you know, 20,000 people or 30,000 people, but he doesn't feel real to people anymore. And I, I would like to see the guy start doing rallies again in airplane hangars. I would like to see him get on Twitter spaces and start talking directly with people and answering their questions. I think he's become... Uh, a king-like figure that, again, is completely untouchable and inaccessible to people. And, and the other thing is to the point of uh, Tira. Sorry, I think that's your name. Um, I'm very concerned about the fact that I don't feel I'm not being shown signs that he's learned a lot of lessons. And the things that I loved about him, I'm one of those people, I loved his mean tweets. I loved his, his attitude. I, I, I love all of that. So I love the way he fires away at the press. I love all of it. But I don't think it's going to work anymore. And I don't think it's going to serve us well anymore. And when I watched him come out and announce that he was running for president again, I was really disappointed because what I wanted to see more than anything was a total rebranding, like a total coming out and saying, this is the message going forward. Throw away the red hats, throw away the MAGA hats. Let's let's come up with a new slogan, a new motto, something more inclusive, something that that brings all Americans together under one message and one big tent. But I feel like we're just going to repeat the same, uh, the, the, the same techniques, the same style, the same message as before. And I don't think it's going to work again. 
I'm not against so that's, the guy. I mean, that's really interesting, Brandon. So, uh, I mean, do, do other people agree with that? Do they agree that the, the old Trump style that won him previously may not work again? What do people think? I agree. I agree it's not going to work again. I think that um, there are people who are exhausted. The corporate press and the the Democratic Congress, they've exhausted everybody of or, or, or this whole subgroup of people from Donald Trump. And those are the ones that maybe are leaning more toward DeSantis or leaning more toward, um, I don't know, Mike Pence. I don't know. <laughs> um, but 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 I. Well, but what's the, what's the basis for that other than your personal opinion? The, the basis. Is, is there, that, I mean, is there data it, showing that Trump is unlikely to be the victor if he goes up against no. Biden in a significant way? Is there data no. showing that he wouldn't win the primaries? I, you know, I I understand why that might be someone's personal instinct, but you know, it's, it's my Trump. Uh, Trump seems to be doing pretty darn well considering everything he's been through. I mean, to me, politically, what's interesting is how powerful his brand is, uh, despite the attacks and the, and this, and, and obviously the political moment of a primary he's facing, he seems to be doing remarkably well. And, you know, folks may be personally, you know, I think we have to be careful to say, well, I don't like this tweet or this is frustrating versus, well, how's it playing with regular folks and voters, and what is the data showing? And I'm not, I'm not seeing speaking, much downside um, there. Yeah, I'm just making I, a point. That's fine. Okay, I'm, all right. I'm, um, I'm interacting. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Um, I was going to say I'm 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 the redheaded libertarian. So my circle, if you will, is a lot of libertarians, and libertarians can go any any way. So when I'm when I'm saying this, it's not an opinion; it's an observation from uh, interacting with the many people who follow my page and who weigh in on topics and with libertarians, it's split relatively equally between Trump and DeSantis. So this is an observation just from where I stand and what I do and uh, living my life. So it's not, it's not like, I, I don't have an opinion really either way. Like, like I said, I want DeSantis, I want DeSantis to stay governor of Florida because I believe in states' rights is going to be the way forward, and we have to really strengthen our, our states, and I voted for him for my governor, not for my president. Hang on, Tom. Let's get, let's, let's get Jack in there. I, I, have a question. I just want to question everyone I like, okay, weigh sure. in on if they can. Do You know, we're, there's this presumption DeSantis is going to run. I don't know if that's a presumption we can fairly make. Can I, can I say uh, something before Jack jumps in? Sure, Seth. Yep, sure, Dr. Gorka. Yeah. So, so, uh, most, oh, let's uh, be cognizant of the fact that most people in America don't go on Twitter Spaces. So, so you know, <laughs> not yet, not Tom, yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> soon, Tom, soon. Tom Fitton's point is is really the point, and and also Jack's about, you know, why the hell do people still have Trump signs up two years later? There, there's a reason, and and this election will not be decided by anybody on this Twitter call who is a libertarian or a dispossessed Trump supporter who's can't stand his mean tweets or his comb over or whatever. It's going to be decided by people who want to have baby formula for their kid. It's going to be decided by the plumber who's got the F-150 
who can't afford $4 a gas in, in, in his state, right? That's where it's going to be decided. So we're, we're focusing on the man. And you know what? It's not going to be decided by the man. It's going to be decided fundamentally by the state of the economy and, and whether Putin drops a tactical you know, bomb on Kyrgyzstan, right? A tactical nuke. It's, it's going to be exogenous circumstances. It's going to be the environment. It's going to be the economy, stupid. And he will get the, if he, you know, let's have a primary. Nobody, I agree with Jack. We don't do anointing here in America. It's going to be super fun. Whoever goes up against him, we're going to have new nicknames. He doesn't really have to rebrand because the brand is America. That's why he won. If you love America, you're going to vote for President Trump, mean tweets or not, or whether he's back on Facebook or not. It's really going to be the state of the economy, a little bit of geopolitics thrown in, and the fact that he's still seen as the outsider. The reason those signs are up in in, in Wilkesbury, in Scranton, in, in South Dakota, those signs are up because he's still so strangely, despite four years in the Oval Office, not deemed by his supporting base to be a politician. That's that's DeSantis's big problem. The fact that DeSantis was actually a congressman who nobody had heard of for four and a half years before he ran for governor. He's a part of the swamp. He's a politician. And Donald Trump is still not measured amongst that category. But wait, but Seb... Well, Sorry, I, can I, I, uh, Brandon, Brandon, can I, I got to get, I got to get Jack in here. I want to it's, 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 right. it's actually great because, um, Dr. Gorka just said something that I it essentially was similar to what I was going to say to Josie and sort of speak to the libertarians, but also in a broader statement is that one of the best arguments for Trump that I can see right now on the table is uh, exactly. And something that I think that, that libertarians would totally be on board for, which goes exactly to what Dr. Gorka just said is that we are facing the real threat of nuclear escalation in Ukraine right now, uh, combined with a potential escalation in vis-a-vis the Taiwan Straits with with China, the CCP, etc. And so you actually need someone who has the credible resume to go forward and say, I will wind these things down peacefully rather than escalate to the point where Anyone is using nuclear weapons. Now, he has the deterrence ability because everybody knows that you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what, whether he's going to tweet something or he's going to uh, turn an, an Iranian general into Pico de Gallo the next day. Um, but at the same time, he's the only person, the only president that we've had in 50 years or so that hasn't started a new war. And I think that the very real threat of a nuclear holocaust, which, you know, I don't know if there's any green, fam- green members, green family, uh, green party types on here. I don't know what the carbon footprint of nuclear war is. Probably not good, <laughs> though it may be neutral if you consider that it wipes out humanity. What's the carbon um, footprint of Abrams tanks? <laughs> with, with or well, what about the uh, uranium depleted rounds on the Bradleys? <laughs> you know, and uh, the this this idea that you know we just nonchalantly throw around these these terms like potential nuclear war. And but Dr. Gorka is exactly right. We are talking about the use of tactical nukes, which which eventually learns you know turns into long range nukes, which just you know everybody's dead. So. I'd rather have somebody who doesn't necessarily have any of that neocon baggage who actually does have a a resume that he can stand on of being a peace president for come in there be there for 4 years and then it you know that's our system then it's then it's open open seat. And yes, and, and Josie to your point I think that that's something 
that I would, I would go say that to you. I'd say that to Scott Horton. I'd say that to any, any of my libertarian friends that I don't think there's any other Republican anywhere near the field who can say the same. But Trump, Jack, let's face it. He, Trump does have neocon baggage. That's the way you want to put it. Insofar as who was the member of Trump's cabinet who probably was most skillful in insinuating himself with Trump saying in his good graces, never had a giant sort of dramatic fallout with him and had a outsized policy uh, impact on his uh, decision making. Had to be Mike well, Pompeo I've... or Mike Pompeo was at least up there. And if Mike Pompeo is not well, Mike's gonna run representative of the neocon uh, sort of a tendency within the Republican Party, I don't know who is. And you can name, you know, a battery of other examples of people who were around him. I mean, why is it that Lindsey Graham, I don't still don't understand this, Lindsey Graham, who I, I talked to about it uh, at the um, America First uh, Policy Institute conference over the summer uh, in uh, Washington, D.C., Lindsey Graham is the most stalwart advocate of Trump running again and, and has had been for, you know, a year before he, you know, Trump, you know, technically announced it after the uh, midterm. So why is it that Lindsey Graham sees his sort of foreign policy portfolio as so easily uh, compatible with Trump? So that's not something I feel like is really adequately uh, sussed out. So I'm curious what you think about that. And also just quick, another quick point on DeSantis. Because, I, I think a lot yeah. of that is just opportunism. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but you don't think Lindsey Graham feels he has some ideological affinity with Trump? You don't think that he feels comfortable with Trump sort of delivering on sort of the thrust of his uh, agenda if he were to be back in the White House? I mean, I think that's what Lindsey Graham prioritizes. He's a zealot on foreign policy. Well, I, I, th- I think it's really opportunism in, in the sense that he thinks Trump will probably win the inaugur- win the nomination and therefore he wants to be in Trump's good graces. But Trump's also been very openly friendly with Rand Paul, who is pretty much the exact opposite, uh, you know, uh, strategy and certainly in terms of policy for you know, foreign policy. And, and in fact, they used to go golfing together and, and would sort of, uh, would joke that if, uh, if, you know, it's a, oh, if Lindsay misses this putt, he's going to put a drone strike on the clubhouse. So I, I'm not saying that it's, you know, that, that the neocon baggage is, is zero and certainly with Pompeo, but also would note that Pompeo is most likely going to run against him. Um, but no, certainly it's, it, it, I don't mean to say that it's, it's zero tendency towards any sort of foreign intervention. Trump is not a libertarian and I, I don't think he's ever said that he is, but when you compare him to any other potential, uh, Republican challenger, or Republican contender, I mean, it's, he's, he's far closer to that type of foreign policy. And this is the type of, um, talking points that you need to get the libertarians on board because, you, you've seen what libertarians are capable of when it comes to um, state elections um, and splitting votes as unpopular as that is within libertarian. And they say, oh, they just sort of put up a better candidate. No, when a vote is split, it's always split one way. And it's usually because of uh, libertarians. So um, in order to get the libertarians on board, the biggest the biggest thing for us right now is nuclear war. Um, we're very we're we're a very anti-war group of people. So. Um, so, so anything like that, anything that I can take back to my base, anything that I can take back to my followers about um, anti-war is what's going to sell them on the future. Because, I, I mean, even if you look at, for instance, um, Herschel Walker losing, that that meant that Rand Paul couldn't head the health committee in the Senate. You know, like that was a big deal. That we needed that to happen. We needed to hold Fauci accountable. But it, it's things like that that. Uh, libertarians are going to have to uh, listen 
more to moving forward is the the consequences that we might not see um, on a on a large scale, but the small ones that are going to make the biggest difference. So, so Josie, let me ask you that real quick. It, it, do you believe that Trump can get the libertarian support this time? Because obviously, we saw a big swing uh, <laughs> toward the liberta- libertarian candidate in twenty twenty. Um, is that something that we're going to see change a little bit, or do you do you think that that's going to be a problem for him in twenty four? It will depend on the libertarian candidate. Um, we had a horribly unpopular libertarian candidate um, last time, Joe Jorgensen. Uh, remind us who was that? Joe. Jor- oh, Joe Jorgensen. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, she was. She was a. She was like a leftist in sheep's clothing. I didn't really care for her. Um, What's up with all these woke libertarians? I thought libertarians <laughs> oh, used to be cool, yeah, and the Mises Caucus yeah. guys seem cool, but man, but what about like, what about so Spike strange. Cohen? I love, yeah, Spike, yeah. I love Spike Cohen. Spike is you know? wonderful. Spike is wonderful. <laughs> so what had happened is there was a, there was a, a movement to kind of usurp the the Libertarian Party and turn it into like this progressive, like left wing. You know, you see the political spectrum. The the left bottom box is kind of like the Green Libertarians, um, and the Mises Caucus, the, the Mises Caucus, they they went in there and they got all those people out. So now. Liber- the libertarians that are heading this place are the Thomas Masseys and the Rand Pauls. So those are the people oh. who are in charge of the libertarian faction now. So depending on who the candidate is, you know, there's a chance like it could be Dave Smith, who's very well-loved comedian and um, in- incredible speaker, funny guy, just incredible libertarian. It-, it could be him. And that would be a problem when it comes to um, a-, a national election for donald trump um if it's anybody else then there's definitely more more of a more of a chance um you know there's it's it's about being pragmatic i'm I'm pragmatic when it comes to voting i vote for who i who is the most libertarian that can win um because communism is the biggest threat it is is the ultimate threat and it is here and so i vote against communism essentially so i'm not like a wait communism is here when did that happen when did communism get here? Critical race yeah, theory. Yeah, nobody notified me. Okay, Critical race does. theory, Michael. Listen, read up listen, on we've it. We've had, we've had <laughs> lots of audience. We've had lots of audience <laughs> questions. We know we know the people listening uh, really like to have the opportunity to ask you guys questions. So please get us more questions. You can tap on the bottom right hand corner to ask us a question. Keep them short. Keep them to one sentence. Um, so we've had a couple about um, which are quite related. We'll see what you guys think. Um, Best way to do it, by the way, is tag Sam and I in those in those questions. Yeah, and, and do keep them short because people tend to write multi-paragraph questions and they're hard to read um so we talk about the women's vote and also um about michelle obama as a threat uh so two questions really that may be related um uh, will the women's vote impact 24 in terms of republican or democrat do we believe that's relevant with trump and also talk about how obama this is from the coin dad obama's a very popular president we've never had a black female president um would Michelle be a threat to Trump? So does anyone believe that Michelle Obama would actually be a direct threat to <laughs> uh, Trump? Sebastian here. I am always amused by the callers into my show, anybody else on social media, conservative or otherwise, who actually for a nanosecond takes seriously the concept that Michelle Obama is going to run for public office. I gar- I will bet anything. I will bet my mortgage. I will bet my gun collection. It ain't happening. The idea that she'd actually have to work for a living, I guarantee you now, 
the idea that she's going to leave Martha's Vineyard is never, ever happening. Yeah, she's smarter than you, Seb. I mean, like, come on, no need to disrespect her saying she has to work for something. It's, it's she's probably like going to be stupid. So, so is that, that your argument? Is the ad hominem, right? No, no, you wait. First off, you ad hominem her first. You said, oh, the idea that she has to I work didn't know. Ad hominem is the conversation. Oh, please, she's not Seb. on the conversation. Come on, man. Come on, man. Let's, let's not play games here. I, I stand uh, no, by I, what I listen? said. I stand yeah, by what maybe, I said. Maybe, put, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth what? is. On what? On betting. What are you prepared to bet that she's running? I never said she was. <laughs> See, maybe you but don't know what that, you actually said. You're wasting everybody's actually. time. Okay. No, okay, I, was, okay, I was just calling okay. out. I was so calling out anybody, the fact that you were criticizing. Does anybody her else have, have opinions like that. on that? And let's also let's talk about the the women's vote as well. Like, do, do people believe that that Trump uh, will will get the women's vote overall? What's people's opinion? I, I actually, I actually, and 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 I, I think Tom may have, have spoken on this earlier, so apologize if he did. But I, I think that the Republicans are starting at a disadvantage with every demographic right now because of the changes in the way that uh, the elections are run in so many states from my home state of Pennsylvania to Arizona to Wisconsin and others. I think that if Republicans uh, do not put um, this idea of early balloting and early voting um, ballot harvesting where it's legal in so many of these states and get an operate a serious operation in place with actual money behind it it doesn't really matter who the candidate is because uh, the democrats are absolutely crushing republicans when it comes to that with uh, tiktok get out the vote operations and passing your vote nights and all of these different things i saw it happen in pennsylvania and they crushed republicans up and down the ticket now trump does bring out another type of voter um, that's sort of like a single – Obama. we saw this with Obama as well, uh, sort of, you know, they, they're just a single candidate voter. They come out and vote for Trump and, or they just came out and vote for Obama, and they, and they might uh, lean in on some of the other races as well, certainly. But I really think that if Republicans want to be competitive, they need to go all in on a nationwide uh, you know, play, I think Lee Zeldin said it right. If, if you're in a state where it's already legal, you, you need to go all in. If you're a state where it's not illegal or not legal, you need to keep it that way. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I think uh, ballot harvesting is a uh, fool's gold. It's designed to allow uh, the left to uh, collect illegal votes and engage in fraud. So unless Republicans decide to do that, uh, they're always going to be on the losing side of that. So I would. But what about know, states where it's saying, already legal? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's legal because they're they've changed the laws. Um, expanded it, uh, the ability to do that in certain states to increase their ability to engage in fraud. So, you know, that's that's a competitive Well, if they're increasing their vote share, wouldn't Republicans want to do the same thing if it's already legal in that state? That's all I'm saying. Well, unless, if you know, the look, tactic it, is it, working, it, you want to keep doing it. Well, you're assuming the tactic is getting them, is allowing them to get these votes through proper channels. And I'm suggesting that ballot harvesting in, inherently is corrupt and fraudulent and uh there's no safe check on it and you're never going to win that game now do you not do you completely uh uh accede to the other side but you know you're just you're just so far away from normal elections by uh pretending that you can engage in ballot harvesting but you know i don't want to get too distracted by that because this is all just tactical you know if someone wants to go the way you suggest jack you know that's fine you know that's a political question in the end that you know 
isn't necessarily principled per se. With the women vote, you know, that's code for abortion. And the question for Republicans, are they going to embrace the right to life? Or are they going to be made nervous about it as a result of, uh, you know, the media culture and the political culture in this country? And uh, the dirty little secret is that that too many Republican leaders are are not as comfortable with the right to life as you might think. And certainly the consultant class uh, thinks it's radioactive. So unless Republicans start embracing the right to life in a, in a comprehensive way that appeals to voters, and I think there are many unique ways, many opportunities there in that regard, and we can get into that, uh, that's going to be a challenge for them, that pro-life issue, uh, because um, if you're unwilling to defend life uh, and, and talk about it, why would those interested in the issue come out and talk to you and vote for you? Because, you know, it used to be that the right, the right to life issue uh, – worked for Republicans because pro-lifers were extremely committed on the issue. If you're not re- giving them a reason in a post-Roe world to be committed on the re- on the issue, they will lose that advantage. And obviously, um, uh, the other big issue is money. They didn't have the money last term uh, in terms of uh, the uh, certainly the abortion issue because the left went all in on that. And, you know, that's, again, a tactical decision. Uh, so uh, between the money and the failure of nerve, uh, it's going to be a challenge. Tom, what are you defining as ballot harvesting? Michael, Michael, exactly? one because, second. Okay, sorry. Michael, Michael, sorry, sorry, one second. Heather's been so patient um, for quite a long time trying to get I, on there. Heather, Heather, are you able to? Yeah, can you guys me? hear me? We can. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. For your no, questions. thanks so much for bringing me on. It's crazy listening to everyone talk. I mean, I have like, especially on the election stuff, I've, those of you that know me, I've spent the better part of the last two years of my life investigating all the election fraud that happened in 2020. Everything from the voting machines, the ballot harvesting, the lawsuits that do actually exist. And so, you know, for me, I think, is, let me start off with Trump. I think because Trump has been the leading voice on a lot of this corruption that we've seen exposed over time, I think ultimately Trump has the truth on his side. And in a primary, more and more stuff keeps coming out that Trump was right about all along, including the election fraud. So um, I can give a perfect example of one of the cases that's still open to this day. It's a federal lawsuit out of Georgia called Curling v. Raffensperger. Now, this lawsuit actually started before the 2020 election by a group that was suing against the Dominion voting machines. The federal judge in that lawsuit actually ruled that the machines were unconstitutional for one reason. You can't actually determine if the QR code accurately reflects your vote. But then, two, what what else came out in this lawsuit was a 25,000-word report by a professor from the University of Michigan named Alex Halderman. He actually wrote a, a report on how you can hack and flip votes and manipulate these voting machines as part of this federal lawsuit. The judge was about to release a redacted version to the public when the federal government's top cybersecurity agency, previously led by Chris Krebs, actually weighed in and said, well, we're going to review this report. We're going to look it over, work with Dominion to develop potential mitigation strategies and and come back. And after a few months of working with Dominion, the federal government weighed in and said, yes, these machines could be exploited. And basically the Halderman report was true, but they claim there is, quote unquote, no evidence of such having happened in 2020. But the only way to know 
would be to do a forensic audit on all of the voting machines that were used, which they were used in over 16 different states and various counties. So this is a, sort of like an uninvestigated potential for fraud. And in this same federal lawsuit, there were documents that were obtained through discovery that actually show the Georgia Secretary of State contracted with a cybersecurity company on two occasions for a potential breach of the system. So once in 2019 and once in 2020. So this is just one tiny example of the actual issues with the 2020 election that I've spent my life documenting. And I would caution anybody who hasn't paid close attention to not right, base your determination of whether or not there was election fraud from the same news sources that was were telling you the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation and all of these other things, right? Like the big lie is in fact the big lie. And this is going to come out over time. Um, I already know it. If you're not an election denier at this point, I say it's because you haven't been paying attention, but I'm happy to bring people up to speed. And I'll end with this. I think Stacey Abrams is going to be the nomination for the Democrats because she's been campaigning all across the country, even though she claims she's running for governor. And she's been rubbing elbows with some of the big names like Michelle Obama. Thank you, Heather. Uh, so let's let's go to Tom and then to Harry um, to respond. Tommy, available then? Yeah, I think um, you know she she's raising you know issues about election fraud, and I don't know the detail, right? Uh, but uh, the challenge is that from the less perspective, and this shows you the dishonesty in the debate is that they want to jail you if you dispute the 2020 election. I mean, President Trump's been warned by Facebook. If he raises questions about the legitimacy, I think of the next election, the, uh, the, the, the threat reads, he'll be taken out. And um, Google, they will, they will take your video down if you suggest that fraud had a material impact on the election. Uh, so this is a case of a government incumbent, the Biden administration, being helped with Companies we know they're in bed with, uh, we know that from Twitter, uh, to rig the election in 2024. I mean, that's the question. Uh, if, if we can't raise reasonable concerns about the security of our elections and the policies around it, you know, ballot harvesting in California, for instance, virtually no, it's completely unregulated. Anyone can do it. There's no check on who does it or how many they take. Uh, it's a free for all. It's anarchy. And we're not allowed to question the results of an election that's conducted under such rules. Spare me. Uh, and uh, we now know the Justice Department is targeting state officials and citizens who uh, were pursuing uh, alternative electors under the system of laws that have been placed for 150 years in this country. Uh, so these are not idle issues in the sense that um, – uh, you know that that it's a mockery. You know that we uh, that, that 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 we should just pretend these issues don't exist. They're so important that the left is willing to put us in jail for raising them. And 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 every time you hear January sixth, just remember that is a code for let's jail our political opponents for disputing an election that half the country has concerns about. 
Yeah. So, so Harry, I'll, I'll let you respond to that, and then I want to jump into Scott, who uh, who just joined the panel. So, uh, go ahead, Harry. Yeah, I I don't know. I just thought it was um, funny what Tom said at the end that January sixth is is code for jailing our political opponents. No, it's code for for people who broke laws, right? These people trespassed. These people, um, you know, broke very clear set out laws. They were in buildings they weren't supposed to do. They broke windows and 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 things like that. I mean, they they trespassed and. I get, and, and before anybody goes, oh, BLM riots, yes, I'm against, you know, violent protests in any form. But I, I guess my question was to, to Heather. Um, Heather, have, uh, two things. Um, have you won any of the lawsuits that allege voter fraud? And, and if if not, why? So there's actually – there have been arrests made for um, election fraud for a while now. In fact, last year, a former congressman pled guilty to election fraud in Pennsylvania I believe his name was Congressman Ozzie Myers. The DOJ put out a, a press release about it. And apparently he cheated in every single year, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, but not 2020. So I don't know if that was part of the plea or whatever the case may be. But Pennsylvania specifically has a long history of election fraud. This Congress, former congressman pled guilty to election bribery, bribing judges, stuffing ballot boxes, um, you know, fraudulent voter rolls, the list goes on. He was a Democrat. He was doing it for Democrats. That's one documented case of election fraud, right? As far as 2020, I personally broke a story out of Floyd County, Georgia, where their hand recount found 26, 2700 votes that weren't counted the first time. The two people handling ballots, which I've documented on video that day, right? Like when they were troubleshooting, trying to figure out why these votes weren't counted, the two people, one was a man named Eric Thompson. The second one was the chief elections clerk named Robert Brady. Eric Thompson worked for Dominion. He was one of the technicians that was there that day. Eric Thompson also happened to be Kamala Harris's campaign photographer, right? So a couple of questions. One, how does the Dominion technician not know how to properly run the machines and two why is that not a conflict of interest why when they were doing these special grand jury investigations in fulton county was eric thompson not brought in and deposed why was he not brought in for questioning so there's a lot of these cases i could literally give you hundreds of examples of clear either conflicts of interest interest as far as fraud right 2000 mules which you know, some people, okay. Okay. 2,000 mules, here's what's important about that, right? Regardless of the actual movie, the cell phone data, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation verified and put out a statement saying they received it from the FBI that was given to it by Greg Phillips, the lead investigator. They verified the authenticity of the data. And in their press release, they said the data without witnesses does not rise to the level of probable cause to do any sort of warrants, right, where, where they would get the identities of the mules from the phone companies. Well, this was before the ballot drop box footage was made available that does correspond with the cell phone pings, right? So this is verifiable data, regardless of what you read in, in the media. That's one example of clear illegal crime happening on camera. Yeah, but but Heather, like you, you did a, a, a fine job of citing like individual instances uh, of which some are lacking context, but I digress. You, you, you've, you've cited individual instances, but of course there's individual instances of voter fraud around the United States. Like nobody's alleging that there's zero voter fraud. There's just not widespread. So why haven't any of the widespread voter fraud, fraud claims uh, won in court? 
um, up until this point. So like, are you, again, are you I would I request that you don't. I, mean, the, the I request that you don't reflect site individual. Uh, so the federal government's top cybersecurity agency came out and said that machines that were used in over 16 different states in the 2020 election were capable of being hacked and exploited. So do you support doing a forensic audit on all of those machines? Because that's what ultimately should have been done, but was not done because there's clear documented examples of corruption on the part of leadership where people who had the ability to investigate this fraud decided to look the other way. And we all know that Georgia Senate runoff races, for example, the winner of those races controlled the Senate. Do you know what that did to this country? Do you know how much money was at stake with the control of that Senate? So if you think there's not bribery, fraud, corruption, blackmail, and all the other disgusting, swampy things that come with the territory, you're naive. I mean, these elections control the most powerful country in the world. There's a lot at stake here. And there's several people. The Secretary of State in Georgia, for example, is corrupt to no end. I've caught him in lies. I've I've, I've put it out on my Twitter. Follow my work. I, I, I honestly encourage yep. you to follow my work because Heather, Heather, Heather if, if I if I could Heather like you're still not Harry stop still still repeating re- the same talking point that Tom, election if fraud you, if wasn't I, if, in, I may, it, Tom, if I may if I may hold on a second well Harry you're, Harry you're, let you're, him respond and I'll let you respond to Tom oh but it's Go a ahead, back Tom. and forth between Heather and I yeah yeah you know Harry you're repeating the same talking point that I blew up that there no, the courts didn't. decided there was no fraud the courts didn't, didn't address the merits no. of that issue. And in fact, the litig- and it wasn't even merits on standing. It was the cases ended because they were booted out. Oh, so there were substantial were allegations of fraud well. Harry, that Harry, were not Harry, pursued Harry. in court as a result of the timing of the elections. And the standing was, unfortunately, the court said, if you sue before the elections to try to protect the integrity of the elections, it's too soon. And if you sue after the elections, it's too late. And uh, the by and 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 unfortunately, uh, Trump's team couldn't navigate that that the, the the state processes, legal processes in a way to get adjudication uh, prior to the decision making in the Electoral College and on January sixth. Yeah, let me let me give uh, you okay, one more Tom, example. But let me, so wait, well, if I, well, Heather, Heather, let, let let Harry respond, and then it's all. So yeah, right. if I could, like the that's a fact based analysis, Harry. Talking no, points not, aren't going to be no, sufficient. That is absolutely not a fact. It is. Everyone can check it out. You're just being silly, raising all these talking points without substance. I mean, you can't. You have to get into the seven or eight. Were rejected on standing. You don't know what you're talking about, Harry. You're just saying things. Tom, Tom, Tom. I don't have any clue. I'm a national expert on election law. I've testified before Congress. We've been involved in these cases for thirty, for twenty-five years. I don't, I don't, I don't quite. I mean, Harry, come on. I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. Don't tell me I don't have any clue. Tom, I can't say that I really care if you've testified before Congress because the idea that these cases were rejected. You're just echoing Democratic talking points. You're not dealing with the substance of the matter, Harry. Yeah, okay, Tom. Okay, Tom. Okay. Well, you're not. But what? Yeah, am I Tom, wrong Tom, about Georgia, Tom, the court Tom, not appointing a judge to hear Trump's Tom, case until Tom, it was too late to adjudicate? I am. Okay, Tom. I'm asking you, am I wrong Tom, about Tom, it? Stop, stop, stop. I'm not going to stop. Am I wrong about it? Do you have something substantive to respond to? I gotta let Harry respond, man. Oh, I gotta, I gotta let Harry respond. So, so, the idea that none of these cases were rejected on standing is, is just false. There were plenty of cases rejected on standing. They had their time to present evidence. 
and there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud. And to this, and, and still, I have not gotten a reasonable explanation as to why the cases that were rejected on standing were rejected on standing by well, you're, you're not you're merits, not standing. You're wrong, Harry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't no, know what else to standing. say. It's just it nothing standing. to do with reality. And why did the Supreme Court? Why did hey, the Supreme hey, Court not Harry, take it Hey, Harry, are you aware that the Georgia Supreme Court just reversed a previous judge's decision and reopened a 2020 Georgia election law? lawsuit that was thrown out on standing and now it's actually reopened because the georgia supreme court ruled that it did in fact have standing so it's going back this is a lawsuit in georgia to unseal and forensically analyze 147,000 absentee and mail-in ballots they were the same ones that were being scanned in overnight at state farm arena the video that went viral um with ruby freeman and shay moss who were recently i guess given award by joe biden some citizen award Good. right they're the subject of this Good. fraud and what does joe biden do he brings them down to dc and hands them a medal okay yeah why didn't you mention any of the republican election fraud why I, only the democratic what do you mean brad raffensperger the secretary of state is a republican and he sure as heck didn't win legitimately there's plenty no, of no, republican elections and, and, and wait can i by the way, can I just I just want to say that that the case in Georgia um, that's being reworked is not is not necessarily because the judges are like, oh, my God, there's now voter fraud. Uh, it's just so that it can be litigated out. So no, be, no, like, the settled. judge. Oh, crazy, the crazy judge lunatics like yourself. Crazy ballots. lunatics. All right. Like there we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah, Tom, because, Tom, you know, you're saying that these none of these cases were rejected on standing. And that's just not true. Why did the I didn't Supreme say that, Harry? I didn't say why? that. Why? I said Trump's campaign cases. There were seven. What I said was there were seven or eight campaign cases that ended because time ran out. They weren't rejected on standing. You're saying I'm others? wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. And the what issue is standing. Can I pose a you're suggesting question? that the standing uh, is a credible reason for rejecting the other cases. And that's not true either. Harry, you don't you're just echoing talking points. You're not responding substantively to the legal concerns here where allegations were made of voter fraud by the Trump campaign. They weren't heard by the courts because the Trump campaign ran out of time. Yeah, but, yeah, but plenty were rejected, right? Not so by they, the Trump campaign. Rejected? Third parties messing around isn't the same as the candidate litigating the substantive issues of fraud in the states at which uh, the elections hinge, like in California or Nevada. I'm just curious. Why, Harry, excuse Harry, me, uh, Georgia Harry, or Nevada, not California. California, the Republicans set up fake ballot boxes and admitted to it. The Republicans set up fake ballot boxes and admitted to it. But you guys don't mention that. But you position yourself as an expert in election fraud. But yeah, but I am. Like in North Carolina, there was a Republican who engaged in fraud, and the court did the right thing. He ordered a new election, and I'm, I'm uh, that's why I think. Uh, that should have been uh, on the table for dealing with the uh, uh, the ruined elections in 2020 in these key states. So can I pose a quick clarifying question on this, the definitions being used here of terms? So, Tom, sure, you use the term ballot harvesting, right? You were in a little back and forth with uh, Jack earlier where he was suggesting that maybe Republicans need to just embrace ballot harvesting and, um, you know, beat Democrats at their own game because they've mastered it in whatever states. Um, ballot harvesting, at least as I understand it, is not per se legal anywhere. I mean, ballot harvesting is what the term is the term used 
when there's illicit methods used to gather votes that violates any kind of adherence to a chain of custody. So what is ballot harvesting defined as exactly if you're saying it's kind of systematically legal in certain places? And also, does it sort of does it bleed into this broader critique of just the adjustments in election administration that you saw you know, pretty much across the board in 2020, where mail in ballots became more widely available and, um, you know, uh, and there were uh, broader broadened opportunities to vote in a variety of respects, because that, I think, is a trickier issue. So, for example, in Montana, and I looked into this very closely at the time, in Montana in 2020, not a competitive state on a national level in terms of the Electoral College, but still, it's sort of interesting to look into. Um, there was, like in many other states, uh, a liberalization of mail-in balloting law. So it was far, you know, vastly easier for an average voter to get a mail-in ballot. You, you know, maybe the um, checks weren't as rigorous as might have done if it had been sort of implemented over a longer period of time and not because of COVID. But uh, the end result was that Republican performance surged in Montana, partly it would seem as a function of more Republican leaning voters being able to get mail in ballots. So I don't I think that there's this uh, wrong headed assumption that the um, greater availability of uh, voting options automatically redounds to the benefit of Democrats, because you actually can find quite a few interesting uh, countervailing examples, even potentially including uh, California itself, which you say is like anarchic. But, you know, even in, in 2022, in the midterms, there was sort of like a mini uh, wave in California for Republicans where they won a bunch of uh, closely contested seats and where uh, like even in Los Angeles County in a special election, I think it was in 2000. 21, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe um, I'm misremembering exactly, but in, in the very recent past when this ballot harvesting, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, situation was supposedly in full force in California, Republicans actually have won a couple of uh, maybe surprising uh, races. So um, I, if we could get a bit of clarity on the, yeah. how you define ballot harvesting and there's a Michael, spectrum Michael of the issue. Yeah, yeah. There's a spectrum on the uh, of ballot harvesting allowed. There's virtually in some states it's prohibited, practically speaking. Other states allow you to give it to a spouse or a family member uh, and limit and other states limit the number of ballots you can bring in, maybe even for family members. There are 15 or 16 states where uh, you can designate a third party, meaning someone that's not a family member or someone of that nature. And that's where you get into California territory, potentially, where uh, you just have third parties collecting ballots from strangers, uh, where uh, opportunities for fraud uh, permeate the transaction. Uh, you, there's no way of making sure no one's being intimidated uh, and and other fraud isn't taking place. So to me, that's anathema. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a game you know, to the degree you want to try to use that to your political advantage, I guess, you know, parties are going to do what they're going to do. But from a policy perspective, all much energy should be spent to end that uh, inherently uh, at a practice which is just open for abuse and uh, is at odds with any notion of free and fair elections. Okay, so, Tom, so we got to go around the horn. Yep, Brian, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, Tom, you say that Harry doesn't have any substantive arguments, but 
that's exactly what Trump didn't have. He at least 86 different judges from so many states, probably 30 states, uh, Democrat appointed, Republican appointed. They all said that his lawsuits had no substance. And that's right. You know, that's, that's a talking exactly point. That's said. not true. Judge, let me just finish. 86 judges rejected his lawsuits claiming election fraud. 86. I mean, it's gone and, from and 62 to 86. Th- there's there were a total of 86 judges. I, but the point is, you're just throwing out numbers, Brian. I no, mean, come I'm on. Not. I'm, I'm, you know, listeners, actual, you know, listeners can easily go Trump. and check out what we're saying. They can look at the case that the Trump campaign filed see they were ha- how they were handled they can see how the allegations were handled in the other cases and they can figure out for themselves whether the judge treated them with appropriate deference or gave them the chance to prove their case in a credible way i mean the idea that this this issue has been adjudicated and it is odds with the judicial record let me just finish my point here so 86 judges 38 of them were appointed by republicans now now not one judge found that there any of these cases uh, proved election fraud in any way uh, in favor of Joe Biden. And you're saying that there's Harry hasn't provided anything. Well, you're, of you're assuming those but, were allegations but, 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 in all the cases, Brian. I mean, this is you're just this, hey, these Tom, are talking let me points. My statement, then you can, then you can talk. Well, yeah, okay. Well, you're just making a series of false characterizations well, of evidence. I, I, I so my instinct like is to interrupt, but forgive me. So, so, so there's there's 38 Republican judges. Uh, not one judge found any indication that there was substantial election fraud that favored Joe Biden that would have that would have changed the results of the election. Now, it's up to the person claiming fraud to sh- to show that substance. It's not up to us to show that there wasn't election fraud because. The U.S. elections are some of the most secure elections on the planet. Uh, all indications from past elections, there's never been substantial fraud found. Most of the fraud goes from on both sides. It usually equals out. It's usually within the dozens, maybe hundreds of votes. Uh, Joe Biden won by 7.2 million votes, was it? Uh, across no, he didn't. States. He didn't. That, that, that he didn't. Under our system of government, he only won by tens of thousands of votes. From, from, from a popular vote standpoint. From well, a, yeah, but that the popular vote is not what our election is uh, turns yeah, on, that, though. So, from an electoral college standpoint, it was it was thirty thirty thousand in, uh, yeah, in one yeah, state. That's the number. That's the number. Yeah, yeah, but 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 and Trump alleged is that Trump alleged fraud. Things, you know, come on. The, you, you're just argue, making stuff up, Brian. These are talking points. Do you know what I'm frustrated by? For the yeah, Brian, finish your point, then we'll go to Tom. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so yeah. It was fifteen thousand in one state. It was thirty thousand in another. Forty-five in another. Uh, Wisconsin in uh, in uh, s- several states. I'm not going to list it all, but. The point is, if Tom is saying, okay, maybe it was only 150,000 votes because no, it was 30,000 votes, 44, I think, when the number was. Your point is that only these states had election fraud for in favor of Democrats, and no other Republicans, no Republican states 
had any election fraud. Now, now ha- how would how would that make sense if every single judge that was presented a case that there was fraud in favor of Biden said there was no substantial evidence of that? Ryan, I can't answer your question because it's not based in reality. I don't know how to respond when you make up what judges ruled upon. All I know is that the Trump campaign in several states brought cases that were not ultimately adjudicated on their merits and not because they were found to be wanting on the merits, because they ran out of time. Now, highlighting dozens of judges litigating other cases about how elections were run, which didn't necessarily implicate fraud, as you suggest they do. I mean, these are all left-wing talking points that are unthoughtfully, frankly, I think you owe to our listeners to be credible in disclosing this, that this is just talking points. I am talking about cases and legal decisions, and I encourage listeners to check me out. Figure out, you know, the, all these cases are on the public record and they can draw their own conclusions. And you can see this is the Adam Schiff way of talking about elections. Just say things that uh, are are helpfully rete- repeated by the media. And just because you read about it repeatedly with so-called fact checkers and the liberal media doesn't make it true, Brian. You have an obligation to ferret out the truth along the lines I'm suggesting. And you know what? You I may still think I'm all wet, but in the end, at least you will have done the research in an honest way. I trust 86 judges over somebody on Fox. You don't know. You don't, have you read the decision, Brian? Where, where are you getting this number 86? Did you read the decisions? Did you there's, read there's the substance of the of cases? You're there's, just making I, this I can, up. I can provide you the link. You want the link? I'll, I'll okay, I can, the... I can provide you the link, and I will ask you over the next week or two to read everything and then get back to me as to whether I'm all – you know, just making this up as you're suggesting. I'd like to make a really quick point about the judges. Just This is very, very quick. Uh, Because this is something that I hear people on the left say all the time. They love to throw, uh, whether we're talking about January 6th or the election cases, they would say, oh, even Republican judges or even Trump-appointed judges. I'm here to tell you from firsthand firsthand experience, the Republican judges in the federal courts hate Donald Trump more than most of the liberals, and including... Some of the judges that he himself appointed, these are old establishment rhinos. So the idea that even a Republican judge came out against Donald Trump, I'm here to tell you the the establishment Republican judges hate Donald Trump more than the liberal judges. You you know, I I don't really think I I, I think it is a bad point saying Republican versus Democrat judge. You brought it up are appointed because of because of their because of their past and because they uphold the law and respect the law. And when you have 86 judges saying, hey, there was no election fraud, I'm going to believe that over some talking head on Fox News or some Trump appointed or some Trump campaign spokesperson that's saying there's election fraud without proving any election fraud. What about what okay. – And maybe yeah. it's not that the so, judges so. hated – Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. My bad. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. I, I got to go around the horn a little bit because, you know, there's there's a lot of people here wanting to talk for a while. Um, but, uh, Josie, l- l- let me let you respond to that. And I'm sure you have some other points, too. You've had your hand up for a while. So jump in. I actually wanted to respond to something that um, Tom had said about the woman's vote uh, maybe 30 minutes ago. <laughs> um, so if somebody else wants to respond, they're happy to jump ahead of me and I can change the subject later. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're going to go to Scott here in a minute. So, uh, 
Joa, jump in. Hi, guys. I'm a human behavioral specialist, especially in the area of tribalism. And even during my TED Talks and in a couple of publications predicted Trump's, Trump's win eight months prior to the win actually happening. Um, and in this election, thankfully, he's not getting elected. Um, it has to do with a lot of things. The way tribalism happens is you start with a, a group of people, promise them the world like he did to the coal miners and then also to the to the vets. Um except those promises failed, right? 21 coal mines closed during Trump's presidency. Coal production slowed during Trump's presidency, and his base questions him. The other two reasons that he will not get elected, that the fact that he's broken up his tribe, not fulfilled his basic problem when he promised when he first uh, started his candidacy, appealing to the coal miners and to the vets that came back, Although he did expand the vet bill, um, lines actually got longer, but to some people it might have helped. So I'm not saying that went wrong. Um, but there's two big points that, that in all the data that I have, and we measure 67 different emotional factors when it comes to brands and also to, to certain talents, which we have Donald Trump under there. Um, people do not trust him to not be emotionally reactive. During a nuclear war, that's not the person you want. It's someone who explodes emotionally. Um, the only way that I see him possibly being elected is if he gets Putin to say he's going to pull out um, <clears throat> of Ukraine. Maybe then, because the number one the number one issue is going to be going to be this war, um, and only only way to get that done is if he can appeal to it. But he has tall hill to climb because most people do not trust him to not be emotionally reactive. And he lost his promise that he initially made to the coal miners, which was his initial super fan, let's call it, um, in the very beginning of his campaign. Yeah, you got 30 lines? seconds, yeah. man. You got 30 seconds. Yep. Okay. Well, a lot of the uh, people sort of on the more, I guess, online right to generalize who do favor Trump often had a running critique of personnel who are in Trump's orbit. Like Trump was poorly served by the people who worked for him. That was pretty much a common refrain, often tended to, I think, uh, absolve Trump personally of a bit uh, more responsibility than he actually deserved. But um, uh, just throwing this out there for people who would consider themselves, you know, fairly committed supporters of Trump in the next election Who's to say that that very same dynamic wouldn't be replicated? I mean, how can anyone have any confidence that, like, Jared Kushner is going to be disentangled from Trump? I mean, the guy is family, right? So Jared Kushner was always kind of scapegoated as one of these sort of, uh, you know, nefarious interlopers who was uh, guiding Trump down the wrong path. But, like, are we just to think that he's going to be banished from Trump's uh, sphere of influence? This seems unlikely. Um, how about some of these other quote neocons? I mean, after, even if it's a bruising primary campaign, do you think he's just going to totally um, uh, ostracize like a guy like Mike Pompeo? I don't know. It seems a bit implausible given what we've seen and the pattern that seems to be uh, recurrent with Trump. And one last thing, because I want to do a bit more of a negative spin on Trump, because a lot of it, the uh, interpretation has been positive, at least just as a thought experiment. If Trump's best chance is to like 
present himself as a potential peacemaker in Ukraine and like he's the guy who can mediate between Zelensky and Putin or whatever and like get Putin to come to uh, to uh, you know take the nukes off uh, red alert. Um, well, let's look at Trump's foreign policy record: failed coup attempt in Venezuela, uh, extra legally assassinated a major general in Iran in Iraq by invoking the legal authorities conferred by the 2002 authorization to invade Iraq. That's what they studied to assassinate Soleimani. Um, didn't actually carry out the Afghanistan withdrawal to fruition, um, even though he presented as tr- attempting to do that. Like it or not, Biden's the one who actually presided over the culmination of that policy and actually ended the war. And lots of other examples where you can like say that Trump has this America first policy or he's relatively more non-interventionist or more peace minded, but it doesn't tend to accord all that much with the actual record. No, that He didn't start another full fledged new war. That's true. But, you know, he bombed Mosul to smithereens and, um, you know, tons of civilian casualties. No, not Mosul, sorry, uh, you know, uh, uh, Syria and the ISIS war, which was like, all, you know, the uh Constraints came off and like there was no regard at, at all for civilian casualties. Lots of drone strikes, mother of all bombs dropped in Afghanistan. Uh, lots of pretty kind of aggressive foreign policy action started sending lethal weaponry to Ukraine and whereas Obama had refused to do so, elevated Ukraine into this enhanced partnership status that eventually formed one of the grievances of Putin for launching the invasion, which was the increasing interoperability between the United States and Ukraine uh, militarily. So, I mean, Trump's record is not like it's uh, sort of unblemished or at least straightforwardly conducive to this role that people see him playing that could be politically beneficial of like being a uh, mediator to bring about a resolution to the Ukraine war or what have you. And Michael, there's even there's even one more point, which is we had a war in America that people really cared about because it was a disease that was killing people, which he told to Bob Woodward, this is deadly stuff. And then came on TV a week later and said, oh, it'll pass like the flu, which caused an extra 150,000 deaths by estimates. Well, would have let's not go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that's, I, 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 I got to bring in Scott here. Uh, Scott, man, you have been one of the um, one of the biggest warriors on the front lines of, of you know, uh, changing the structure of elections and restoring integrity in the U.S. election system. Uh, on Monday, I believe you actually launched an organization to build an early and um, uh, mail-in voting uh, infrastructure in several states like Arizona. Uh, and so I, I want you to tell us a little bit about that and then also give us your feedback on, on what you've heard tonight. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. I think President Trump can win in 2024. However, if Republicans wait to vote on Election Day, we will not win the presidential election. We learned in 2022 what we saw in Arizona that, you know, the majority of Republicans, they waited for that one day. And it was in Maricopa County that we saw 30 percent of tabulation machines had errors And we don't know how many people were disenfranchised from that. And so in an effort to expand voting rights access and to lock in as many votes as we can, I created early vote action. So we are going to engage in election day voting, mail-in voting, absentee voting, and where it is legal ballot harvesting. And this is going to be in Arizona, North Carolina, Nevada, 
Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And the reason why is because if we win all of those states, in addition to the Republican states that usually vote for a Republican president, we're going to get the 270 electoral votes that we need. And that's even assuming, and I'm not saying Georgia's not going to vote Republican, but that's assuming that Georgia and Michigan go blue, we'll still win the election. And the last thing that I want to say is if it weren't for ballot harvesting in California and New York, in addition to the work that Governor DeSantis has done in Florida, Republicans would not currently have the narrow majority we have in the House. And the very last thing I would like to point out is the goal is we are not going to be able to provide for election integrity in states that we don't control the legislature. So I'm saying that we must encourage an all of the above approach to voting so that when we assume power, we will then be able to enact election integrity. And the last last is in the state of Wyoming, for example, we control the governorship. We control the state house and the state senate. But I called and confirmed with an elections office that there are no laws or statutes that prohibit ballot harvesting in the state of Wyoming. So if Republicans are smart, they're going to spend the next two years during session enacting election integrity legislation in states that we control, while also going to earlyvoteaction.com and working with me to make sure that we are doing an all-of-the-above approach to voting. And Nick and Mario, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so we are having a lot of problems here when it comes to glitching. Our speakers keep dropping. Um, there have been a lot of audience members that have been texting me saying or messaging me saying that they're dropping. Uh, so we probably need to wrap up this space here very shortly. I'm going to give everybody final thoughts here before we do do that. We'll start with Harry, and then we'll go around the horn. Harry, jump in. Yeah, well, thank you again to Nick and Mario for um, you know allowing me to be here. Very cool, very cool. Um, yeah, so just like, again, to reiterate, uh, I think that there's probably a decent chance that Donald Trump is the nominee for the Republicans in 2024. I don't think there's much disputing that. Uh, but will he win? Probably not. I think, you know, the American people are just sick and tired of like his conspiracies, his, you know, his rants and things like that. And I think, you know, a speaker earlier in here, I think it might actually have been a Republican said that uh, Trump is his own worst enemy. Maybe that was maybe that was not a uh, Republican. I, I can't remember. But I also just think that the electoral map is not in Donald Trump's favor. I mean, the states he needs to win, like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, all have had very favorable elections for Democrats in recent history. Um, so putting aside all of the conspiracy stuff that he, he spouts, I think just like electorally, um, you know, it's just not looking good for him. Um, but you know, we'll see, it's still 2023. It's still very early in 2023 and so many things can change. And I'm really looking forward to uh, engaging in more of these conversations as we get closer to the election. So thanks yeah, for having me guys. So, appreciate you coming, man. Appreciate you coming. Josie, thank you so much for coming as well. And, uh, really looking forward to hearing your final thoughts. Hi, thank you. So I just wanted to jump back um, about the woman's vote and how that means abortion. And um, I, I just wanted to add a quick, um, I, I just wanted to inform people about something that most people don't know um, about Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade hasn't existed in 30 years. Um, so it is, it is legitimately just a talking point. Roe v. Wade, um, it was the 19... 19- 73 decision of 7-2, and um, it declared that there was going to be a trimester standard uh, for states to be able to rule on when it came to abortion. They couldn't, so the first trimester, they couldn't, um, they couldn't ban or regulate abortion. Second trimester, they could, they could do some regulation. And third trimester, they could do all-out bans, right? This was the trimester standard. Well, then Planned Parenthood v. Casey came up uh, in the 90s, 
And this abolished the trimester standard and replaced it with a standard of burden. All right. Which included like the Hyde Amendment, which we've heard about with Joe Biden. Um, So what that did, it essentially made banning and regulation okay for the entire length of the pregnancy. When does the pregnancy start? Conception. Or, you know, if, if you want to get graphic, it starts earlier than that. But it, it hasn't existed. We've been able to, states have been able to ban abortion um, to conception since 1992, I think, or three or four. can't remember when Casey came out. It was one of those three years. Um, they've been able to do that. But nobody was bold enough to do that until until recently when it got to be um, such a such a volatile topic and uh, we became so radicalized. So a way to, you know, approach women on this is, you know, to ask them, did you know that Roe v. Wade hasn't existed in 30 years? So so they're kind of all being played when it comes to that. So so anyway, thank you for having me. But that was just something um, I realized a lot of people don't know about. And I thought, you know, this is a good opportunity to tell people with uh, such a large space to spread the word on that. Um, yeah. yeah, thanks. Thanks awesome. for having me. Thank you again, Josie. I hope to have you back here soon. Yes, um, please. Brandon, uh, before I go, uh, the mic is yours. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'll just be very brief. Um, my closing thoughts are simply that, um, you know, I, I did put a question out asking if, because, uh, Seb Gorka was saying, you know, he's not really seeing that very much. And I just asked if anybody agrees with what I was saying. Um, I've gotten mostly, some yes reactions. I've gotten a few uh, <laughs> people engaging in pretty much the behavior I was describing. Uh, a couple of people saying I'm being very negative. They don't understand why I'm talking this way. So I just want to wrap up by saying I'm not being negative. Uh, I'm in no way trying to be negative. What I'm trying to be is strategic. I want to win. I'm tired of losing elections. That's what, about, that's what it's about for me. So I think it's great because I think we have people who are like all in for the way that things are. And I think that those people can be uh, get out and be amazing cheerleaders for the people who already know the way that they want to vote. I want to put my focus on all of the people who are expressing concerns or who haven't made up their mind or who need to have their minds changed and come over to our side. So to me, those are going to be the people who don't have the Trump signs in their yard, the people who are not going to the Trump rallies, the people who are not wearing MAGA hats, that's where I'm focusing my concern. So I'm not being negative. I'm being strategic. I want to win. We're all on the same side, except for what's his face, Harry. We're not on the same side with Harry. But um, and by the way, Harry, uh, DM me back because uh, I'm being sincere in my offer. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for having me in the yeah. space tonight. It's been great. Absolutely, thank you. Brandon. Yeah. Thank you for coming. All right. So I want to give a couple of shout outs here. Scott Pressler, hashtag the persistence. He's in the audience because he glitched down uh, like everybody else that was up here. Um, and, uh, so Jack Posobiec, obviously, and, uh, Laura Loomer and everybody, all of our special guests that came here, uh, we're really appreciative of that. Um, and th- th- this debate's going to be ongoing here. Obviously we were experiencing a lot of issues here, but, you know, hopefully this will be fixed soon enough. Uh, I'm going to toss it to Mario before this, uh, you know, ends up closing out. Cool, man. Yeah, not much to add. Sorry for the glitches. Uh, it was a nightmare behind the scenes. People kept dropping in and out. A lot of audience members kept getting kicked at scale, and especially in the last half an hour. But uh, And that happened across the board on Twitter, so a lot of spaces glitched today. Some did, some didn't. But appreciate you all. We'll probably see you tomorrow. Not sure what the panel will be about. And yeah, Nick, Jim, 
And yeah. Sam, great. Well, I do want to say real quick, you know, before you leave, if you haven't done it yet, sign up for the newsletter oh, in shit. the pinned post. You got to do that because, you know, if these spaces are going to crash every fucking 15 minutes, you know, you need to hear <laughs> you need to hear the important points in the newsletter. So uh, definitely do that. And we will see you here tomorrow regardless. So we appreciate you all coming.